Well, on this episode of Geek Out Loud, it's the first Geek Out Loud we've done since what? February, I believe. So there's a lot to talk about. I got a lot to say, so you people better listen up. It's your safe place to geek out. Welcome to Geek Out Loud, your safe place to geek out on the internet. And man, it's been a while. I know it's been a while, but you know what? We're in the craziness of a of a global pandemic. I guess if you're listening on some other planet right now, you may not be aware of the global pandemic. It's affected the entire globe. That's why it's a, a global pandemic. You can't even say the name of the thing if you're on YouTube, apparently, which is, I don't know. Let's not get into all that here. This is your safe place to geek out and have fun. And so... Um, but in the midst of all that, you know, it, it's crazy. If you believe in um, destiny, call it fate, call it luck, call it karma. Um, if you believe in destiny, then um, then it's amazing as I've been at this church and had to do, had to switch all of our services over to an online format. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's like I've been preparing for the past 13 years for this, so... Uh, but uh, that has caused me to be slightly busier than I normally would be. As you've seen, we've been able to put some uh, rock out loud out there, and um, and we've been able to uh, do big honking shows almost every Friday pretty consistently uh, during the time. There's been a few Fridays where I just haven't been able to do it, and um, but now we are doing Geek Out Loud, and uh, and I'm I'm glad to be here. I wonder. <clears throat> Uh, I I don't know. Let's see if we got some. I don't know if we can have some. I don't know if we can have some crossover fun uh, here on the big honking or on the geek out loud. You know, with big honking show stuff. Y'all need to get out of here because I'm fixing to blow it up. Yeah, there you go. Listen, that works anytime. <laughs> hey, uh, so glad to have everyone along with us. My name is Steve Glosson, and uh, this is. Uh, a show where we just geek out about the stuff we love. We don't. We try not to listen. We'll talk about things and and try to be critical if we need to be, if we feel we need to be. But we're not here to join up with any movement here or there. We're not here to try to bring anybody down or try to depress anybody. We're here just to elevate and celebrate the things we enjoy, and um, and try to discuss them intelligently from time to time. And uh, it's geek out. That's what that's what we do, and uh, and want to thank everyone who who joins us. We have a Patreon at patreon.com slash geekoutloud. Our featured supporter on this episode, Carrie Brown. Now, Carrie has a, an incredible superpower, as you'll find out uh, during the reading of this. Carrie found himself transported to the Phantom Zone after a weird incident involving a water cooler, a shorted-out electrical socket, a toaster oven, a waffle maker, and a chocolate milkshake. When he came back, he found that the strange energies of the Phantom Zone now granted him powers beyond those of mortal men. Gary, <clears throat> formerly Carrie, <laughs> can make himself intangible so as to be able to pass through walls or to reach into those hard-to-reach places. Conversely, Gary can also increase his density to become immovable and invulnerable. 
So basically, you can't get away from him, and you can't go through him. Just give up now, evil. That's our featured supporter, Kerry, a.k.a. Gary Brown. And uh, we thank him for our for his support over on Patreon at patreon.com slash geekoutloud. If you're in any position to be able to help this podcast out or the podcast we do, you can go over there. Um, currently, lots of big honking shows coming out uh, after they've aired on the radio. It's kind of become the place uh, for Big Honkin' Show because if we... If I continue this trend of trying to upload those older Big Honkin' shows, number one, I have misplaced the hard drive on which they are, so that's not good. Uh, But number two, um, at the pace I'm going, it's going to be 10 years before we get caught up to where we're at on the radio. So so if you you enjoyed the Big Honkin' Show and you want to do that, that's available there uh, at the $3 a month level. Um, $2 a month will get you Forceology. Forceology has been on hiatus lately. Uh, because really because of this situation, um, we came out of the holidays and, and Shaz Bazaar and myself had intended to marathon day or marathon weekend, uh, do some forceology. It did not work out. And, and then, and then the coronavirus hit and Shaz Bazaar has been busier than I have been because he's a better uh, person at everything he does than I am. And so your professors haven't been able to get class together. So just like every other school, our school has been on hiatus as well. So um, we are doing movie watching here and there. And so Ant-Man is next on our watch through the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And we'll watch Ant-Man together. Hope to have that up to you sooner than later over at the Patreon uh, at patreon.com slash geekoutloud. So trying to make sure we have content up there on a regular basis for you, uh, for those of you who are so gracious enough to... um, to be a part of Amazon. If you can't do Amazon, but you do still like to shop at Amazon, I mean, if you can't do Patreon, but you still do like to shop at Amazon, there are Amazon links at geekoutonline.com and geekoutpodcast.com. When you go to those websites, click those links, make sure, I don't know if you have to clear your cookies still or not. Something strange happened with cookies. And um, now every site you go to has some kind of law was passed or something. I don't know. But if you want to help us out, the best place to do that, if you can't do Patreon, is um, is through those Amazon links, and we appreciate it. Uh, anything else before we get into the, the show proper? There's one thing I'm going to... It's kind of an announcement, but I'm going to put it under snippets. So, uh, yeah. Uh, oh, you know what? Hold on a second. Mm. Let's jump into some emails. Here we go. As we look to geekoutonline at gmail.com, geekoutonline at gmail.com, I want to thank Ben Foster, who's been keeping me updated with various and sundry things. Uh, Ben is the composer of such greats as um, Geek Out Loud is on. Geek Out Loud is on, Geek Out Loud is on, Geek Out Loud is on, Geek Out Loud is on. Um, also, our uh, friend of the show, longtime friend of the show, longtime member of the Mixler Zoo crew, Dylan Newhouse, has him a little podcast, and 
he hasn't really asked me to promote this thing. Um, but, uh, but I will, um, he, let me, let me get to, he, he slid into my DMS. Is that what they say? Um, he slid into my DMS, but I don't know which DMS he slid into. Not those DMS. He slid into my personal DMS. Should have, should have had this pulled up is what I should have done. I was going to do a bit where I'm like, well, we don't have any. Uh, but we do. Um, <laughs> uh, why you love this.com. Why you love this.com. And, um, and one of their episodes is about Superman three. And I have thoughts. I have thoughts on that, um, on, on that situation. And, uh, and, and I appreciate them. And look, they talked to who the guy they had on there. I can't remember the guest's name. And if Dylan is in the uh, chat right now, he'll let us know this. Um, but, uh, but, um, but he, the guy was really, was really, really, uh, awesome, uh, and loved Superman three, which, you know, made me appreciate it because I look, I, I recognize the weaknesses of Superman three, but it's always nice to hear someone talk about something that you enjoy and enjoy from your childhood and that sort of thing without the disdain that so many people talk about it with. And now here, but here's the thing. There were moments where I felt like they should have pushed back on their guests a little bit and they didn't, which, you know, they're just being cordial host, Dylan and his co-host. But, um, but uh, let me tell you something. It's a, it's a good show. You need to check it out. Why you love this.com. It's our own Dylan Newhouse. He is a, he's a Goliverse original. Practically he's been in the Mixler zoo crew for some time. And, uh, and so I just want you guys to know, know about that. Maui Mark says the, the, the podcast Jess is called why you love this at, uh, why you love this.com W H Y why you love this.com. Let's see what else we got here. That's about it. Um, so, uh, that's yeah. Not many people emailing the, the, the thing lately. A lot of people using the Facebook.com group, Facebook.com group, the Goliverse group at uh, geekoutonline.com slash group. If you haven't joined our Goliverse Facebook group, you can do so over there. A lot of fun things happening there. Has GIF Uno died? I believe it has. I believe after maybe three years, GIF Uno has perished. So um, it's, uh, uh, yeah. It's gone from the, like, you have to scroll way down to find it if you can find it at all. So we lay it to rest. Um, good times, though, with the GIF Uno. It went for a while, but a lot of fun things. A lot of people getting a lot of good discussions going on, uh, going on on the uh, on the deal. And it's where I'll actually run into a lot of news um, a lot of times. I don't have to go searching for it online. A lot of times it just pops up right there in the Goliverse group at geekoutonline.com. Slash group. I will point you to one thing. Our own Cam Hopman, who recently became a father. Congratulations, Cam! And uh, he um, he did on May the Fourth be with you, the Star Wars pun day. Um, he did a he did a a forecast because he's a meteorologist in Evansville, Indiana. He's the chief, not just not just look, not just any meteorologist. He is the chief meteorologist at. Uh, in Evansville, Indiana, at the station there. WEVV, I believe, is what it's called. And he's also the big honking show chief meteorologist. So, 
anyway, um, <clears throat> he did a great video, had a lot of Star Wars stuff in there on Star Wars Pun Day. May the 4th be with you. And uh, what else have we got here? As I'm just, I'm perusing the group right now, just seeing what, what all, what all's up in this piece. I'm trying to find Gif Uno. I, Gif Uno is dead. Long live Gif Uno. Wow. There you go. I got, I got nothing. I got nothing else. So, um, on that. So anyway, yeah. So no one's really been emailing geekoutonline at gmail.com. But if you want to, geekoutonline at gmail.com. <laughs> um, I just got this. This just, this just in from Cam Hotman. Steve, it's me. It's Cam. Can you hear me? Can you hear an email? I've been dispatched to the parent zone. It's been three amazing weeks filled with little to no sleep and bodily waste. I shouldn't be this all right with touching. Hey, buddy. Uh, so, Cam, yeah, congratulations, Cam. And uh, listen, if, if you want to, if you want to get choked up a little bit, then you need to, um, you need to go find his post about becoming a dad. It's very nice, very, very sweet, and uh, made me re made me regret wanting to see him um, on a on a on a uh, <laughs> made me regret wanting to see him on a on a YouTube blooper newsreel blooper one day. Not so much that I don't want to see it. I still want to see it. I still hope every time I look at news bloopers, I'm hoping there's one with Cam Hopman. But not so far. So far, not yet. Not yet so far. <sighs> Snippets. Whoa, that went into, I forgot to hit the stop button. I've forgotten how to podcast. All right, we're done. It's over. No more. I'm through. That's it. No more. I'm done. I can't do this anymore. I've forgotten how to do it with everything. It's weird. Uh, I've forgotten how Geek Out Loud works. <clears throat> Let me think. Let me remember. Let me go to my Geek Out Loud handbook really quickly. Um, let's see here. Pull this out and... I haven't opened this in a while. All right, let's see. Um, all right, have fun. Plug things. Have fun. Plug things, plug things, plug things. All right. Simple enough. All right, snippets. Um, <laughs> hey, I got the Baby Yoda Black series finally. I pre-ordered way back when. And this thing is tiny. Like, when I saw people start to say this thing is tiny, and I believe our friend Tad Winter actually posted a picture in the Guardians group of Baby Yoda next to a quarter. And um, Baby Yoda is not much bigger than a quarter. It is, if that, if he is. But here's the thing. It is in perfect scale with the Mandalorian, with the Black Series Mandalorian. Now... I now am going to ebay.com, uh, the place where you can look for things to buy, and I'm going to put in Black Series Mandalorian. I don't want the carbonized version. I just want a regular old Black Series Mandalorian. And he's you can't really find him selling for less than like 50 bucks, 40 bucks, plus $5 shipping and handling. Um, 40 bucks, plus I'm not going to spend $40 on on the Mandalorian. I love the show. 
Really was hoping to get a Black Series Mandalorian back at Triple Force Fridays, or what I like to call Triple Suck Friday. I know this is your safe place to geek out, but I'm sorry. If there's one thing that's been abundantly clear over the past several years, it's that Hasbro has not done the best job of distribution. And they have not done the best job on these event days of getting stuff out there to the masses. And I think it's because they got burned way back in 2015 with the Force Awakens stuff. And I blame Constable Zuvio. I really do. And so by proxy, then I guess it's J.J. Abrams' fault for not having Constable Zuvio show up in the Force Awakens at all unless you just really strain your eyes to see something like him in the background. But then... Hey, praise be the Mandalorian because there was a shot in the in one of the bars in the first episode where there's an alien that looks like Constable Zuvio. So guess what? Now he's an he's a Mandalorian character. So I say, way to go, Dave Filoni, John Favreau, at all because of of that. But anyhow, this baby Yoda is just he's the cutest little thing. He's smaller than a vintage um, Yoda figure. And uh, and I can't wait to um, to uh, to. All right, now I've just got a link mentioned Cam Hopman, and what we have here is they say okay, Entertainment Earth says coming July 2020. I'll believe it when I see it. But maybe I should try to pre-order it. I don't know. We'll pray about that momentarily. I just want to talk about this baby Yoda because he comes with a bowl that he cannot hold, a frog that he cannot hold, and the little knob off the top of the stick that he keeps playing with in in the ship and in, in the in the Mandalorian ship um like a child and it comes very well packaged in a nice little um in a nice little plastic hard plastic shell thing that you can close open and close and uh and like a child I opened it up to kind of you know piddle with the frog and the bowl and the little ball and wouldn't you know it I, the ball rolls off the desk onto the floor. It is gone. Like, there's no finding that. That's how small it is. It blends in with everything. Like, there's no way to find this thing. Like, I have had little pieces and little parts to to figures before, but never just basically what is, all right, we melted a little piece of plastic and let it drop in there. Just the most minuscule little piece of plastic. And it's like, I've got an incomplete baby Yoda for sale. He swallowed it. That's not, that is my cannon for my baby Yoda toy. He swallowed it. The point is this, um, that, that little thing, the child has taken the world by storm and rightfully so. Um, we did a few episodes and talked about the Mandalorian here and there. I believe I tried to talk a little bit with Chaz on on the uh, on, on the on the marathon. Uh, really have been kind of itching to do a rewatch lately of the Mandalorian. Hadn't sat down to do that yet because of the other content that's been coming in and some stuff. My my wife and I have been sitting and watching together, so um, been kind of itching to do a rewatch of the Mandalorian. Um, it's such a good show. I really, really, really enjoyed it, and looking forward to what they've got coming in season two, if if the rumors are to be believed. Everything seems to have been confirmed. One being, uh, the first thing we heard was Rosario Dawson cast to play Ahsoka Tano in The Mandalorian. Now, that's how it was reported, but it could be for some other series. We don't know, but I think a safe assumption is that uh, Ahsoka Tano has been cast in The Mandalorian, and I think that's because of Dave's close relationship and close tie-in with this show. Um, and it would not surprise me, uh, to eventually see Sabine Wren maybe show up as well, you know, 
Um, also, uh, just this just in in today or yesterday that uh, Katie Sackhoff has been cast to play Bo-Katan, which she played Bo-Katan in... Um, uh, I see you, Gifuno, by the way. <laughs> she she voiced Bo-Katan in The Clone Wars and in Rebels. And, um, and so apparently she is coming to play live action. And, I mean, it's perfect. She looks the part and... And everything, so I, I think it'd be great. I, I agree with Corey Gendron in the in the uh, chat in the comments. He says I kind of wish they would stop announcing all this, and I absolutely um, agree uh, that that I, I, this is the kind of stuff that I don't know that they need to be announcing. The, here's what has happened, and and I don't know, I don't know if if uh, if Disney realizes it or not, but but in all in all fairness, what has taken the world by storm is the child is baby Yoda. The memes that have come out of it, the fact that it is as culturally relevant and known, even to people who have not watched the Mandalorian, they know something about baby Yoda. It is the new Luke. I'm your father. This little guy is that has been that far sweeping in, in the culture. And so I don't think you need to make any announcements like they've made, I'm not complaining about it. It gets it gets us fans kind of psyched up, you know. I mean, it, it it really does kind of give us a reason to be like, oh, this just start. It kind of fires off our imaginations because what I'm led to believe, based on the little bit of information we have about the Mandalorians in the first season, is that um, that the Mandalorians are made up primarily of people like the Mandalorian who aren't Mandalorians by birth or by blood, but they have been adopted into the way um, as foundlings. And that mo- and I guess most of Mandalore has been wiped out by, um, by Moff, Moff, Moff Gus, Moff, Moff, Moff Poyos Hermanos. What is his name in the... <laughs> I now turn to you, chat. Um uh, what is, uh, what, what is the, what is his name? What is Gus's name in, um, Gustav's name in, uh, in, in the Mandalorian? Moff what? Moff Gideon. Found it. Figured it out without you guys. Not that I don't, thank you, Dylan Newhouse. Now everyone comes in. I've got to remember there's a delay. <laughs> I think we're led to believe that Moff Gideon has wiped out pretty much all of Mandalore. So that now that's not to say that there can't be Mandalorians still out and about in the galaxy. You know, it's like trying to wipe out all the Jedi when they were spread about. So anyway, um, yeah. So Katie Sackhoff coming in, reprising her role as Bo-Katan, only doing it live. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. In fact, I think she's perfect for that. The Rosario Dawson situation is interesting because Rosario several years ago actually said, I'd love to play Ahsoka Tano. Um, like that was one of the, she started to kind of put her name out there in the ether for it. And it was really kind of fun for those of us who are Star Wars fans. It's always nice when you, when actors are engaging in something, um, on a, on a level that they know the material before they come to it. I don't think it is imperative that actors know the material. If it's geek stuff, if it's superhero stuff before they get there, but it's nice when they do because, it shows that they're going, you know, that they're going to go in with the same reverence and respect for the source material that you would want them to. Um, and so, so it so that was kind of neat. 
I guess, though, that like, you know, Ashley Eckstein, who has voiced Ahsoka and has even cosplay as her a time or two, I, I just think give her the chance to see if it can be her. You know, give her the chance to see if, if she could do it. I would have I would have liked and maybe they did and we just don't know it, you know. But Ashley has been super kind and super gracious about uh, the casting news of Rosario Dawson, as you would expect. Um, and and so, you know, I, I, I don't know that they'll do the voice thing. I, I think they'll just let it be Rosario's voice. But, uh, but we'll see. We'll see how everything shakes out with that. But then there was some interesting news that dropped this past week about Tamira Morrison being cast. And all of the sites, you know, I believe it was the Hollywood Reporter that broke the news first, was saying that he is going to be reprising the role or taking, uh, uh, well, not reprising, but taking on the role for the first time as Boba Fett. Now, he was Jango Fett in Attack of the Clones. Of course, Daniel Logan famously played Boba Fett. Um, they when they did the Blu-ray releases of the original trilogy, they had him. Was it Blu-ray or was it? I guess it might have even been the DVD that they that they had him revoice the Boba Fett lines. Mm, I think so. I think I think so because those came out before, just before Episode Three. So I think maybe for the DVD release, they had him redub the lines for Boba Fett in Empire Strikes Back. So he's done the voice of Boba Fett, but he hasn't actually portrayed the character. Um, again, age appropriate. Um, you know, we don't know what happened. We know that for all intents and purposes, Boba Fett is dead. And until we, we know that the Mandalorian deals in flashbacks. And so that may very be very well be what's happening in with Boba Fett and the Mandalorian. Uh, a lot of people are speculating that that was him who walked up to Mingwa's dead body. I forget what her character name was, um, and I can't remember her full name. So that's a, that's that's jerkish of me. Um, but uh, chat, you want to help me out? Now, some people are saying he could be Rex. He could be Rex. He could be Rex. And I agree, he could be Rex, except for this very fact. It is it is being reported on practically as fact that he's cast as Boba Fett. Um, he he could be Rex. Uh, I don't. It's it's just it's interesting. I don't. It, I was thinking about this, and I don't know if my wife is still listening. And so she's we've been watching Rebels together, and I don't want to spoil Rebels for. Her. So I don't know Ming Na Win. Thank you, Roth in Wyoming. Thank you. Uh, she played Fennec Sand. Um, Boba Fett shows up at, at Fennec. Cam hears it's both, but what does he know? Well, Cam, you're a news guy. You're you're in the news. You've got your nose to the grindstone. He could be both. Uh, I don't know how I feel about Boba Fett being back. You know, um, Paul Bateman, who is uh, who is a Star Wars expert, has uh, posted several things like. What if this is what the show is about all along? I, I don't know. I haven't really heard Paul's thoughts fully on The Mandalorian um, as much as I should when it comes to... Because I think he's been on Rebel Force Radio talking about it, and I, I don't know that I caught that appearance or not. So I'm behind on a lot of podcast listening, gang. Um, but uh, but yeah, so I think... I, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about Boba Fett being... Yeah, the intention for Boba Fett is that he is dead. Uh, that's George Lucas's intention. But 
ever since. By the way, where did this first show up? Dark Empire in the uh, in the in the uh, in the comic book series, limited series, Dark Empire that came out in the early nineties. Boba Fett shows up on Corellia, I believe, at Han Solo's old apartment on Corellia, and he says the Sarlacc found me somewhat indigestible. And ever since then, that has just fired off people's imaginations. And there are stories about him uh, escaping the Sarlacc pit, the Sarlacc pit, and he actually survives on through the Yuuzhan Vong wars and into other things, you know. And and is even like I think the last thing I remember reading him in the old expanded universe was he was tracking down Kaminoans to help clone body parts for him so that he could continue to live or whatever the case may be. Um, I'm not saying any of that's coming to play here, except for that one little sticky wicket of he, he fought his way out of the Sarlacc pit that could be in view here, or it could be flashback. We don't know either way. Uh, I'm very interested in it. I'm very interested in this idea because I think when you've got someone like Filoni and Favreau and all these other people who are fans, and if you want to, if you, if you don't think they're fans, watch, um, the Disney plus show, uh, the gallery, um, Disney gallery, star Wars, the Mandalorian, and just listen. Most of those directors are fans from way back. And if they're not fans from way back, they're, they're very well versed in the material, you know, as from, from a personal standpoint, like Bryce Dallas Howard, you know, she, she talked about visiting the set and knowing George Lucas and the conversations she'd hear her dad and him have and that sort of thing. So there is, there is a, so there will probably be, there is a reverence for that character. One that I frankly have never had. Boba Fett looks cool. I've always liked him on the shelf. His vintage figure was one of the most interesting because of the colors on him that popped. But to me, it's like, I'm fine if Boba Fett's dead and I'm fine if he went out the way he went out, you know? Um, but he captured everyone's imagination and, and I don't think these filmmakers are any different. And so I think what people will get to see possibly now that I'm of two minds on one hand, yes, they may get to see Boba Fett do some amazing things. On the other hand, don't forget who's running, who's part running the show, executive producer, David Filoni, ladies and gentlemen, who sat at the feet of George Lucas, and it would not surprise me for Filoni to let Boba Fett just kind of go out like a punk again. I, I, in fact, I think I hope that happens. I really do. I, I hope. I hope that we are all shocked when basically a blind person turns around and knocks Boba Fett into a big hole again, which is basically what happened in in Return of the Jedi. So. Um, so that's been some casting news that's come about and, and that's kind of my thought on the thing. Uh, aftermath series lays the groundwork for Boba's return. Sure. Well, again, though, what my point is in that, this is from Dylan in, in the chat. Um, why you love this.com. Um, I really think that again, understand that's a concept that comes from the old EU that, that comes from the dark empire series. And so obviously if the aftermath lays the groundwork, and I think I vaguely remember that, look, if I'm just being honest, the aftermath books, I I really gave a good chance to, and because I was friends with Arish, I said kind things about, I had a real hard time with those books. Um, and I didn't even get past the second one. Uh, the first one, I think I vaguely remember someone getting some kind of Mandalorian armor somewhere. So, 
but they never said it was Boba Fett unless it unless later on in the books it happened. So anyway, um, but I'm not the book guy anymore. Um, there's enough Star Wars on screen that uh, that I don't I, I I I've kind of fallen out of the books. The reason I love the books were um, <clears throat> were uh, were because there were no Star Wars on screen, you know, back in the day. So. So I kind of fell out. Um, back to Snippet. Snippet, um, that reminds me, I'm still thinking of opening uh, my vintage collection Mandalorian. I, I don't have a Black Series one, but I do have a vintage one. And I'm really thinking about opening that bad boy because he looks so very good. But he'll look good on the wall, too. So I don't know. I'm torn. I was going to do it on the live stream on our Thank You for 100 Subscriber live stream over on our YouTube channel. Uh, but that did not happen. Shaz Bazaar talked me out of it. And I think we kind of took a vote and most people voted no, don't open. So, um, so I have not opened it, but if you want to watch that live stream, I believe it's still on the YouTube channel as well as a couple of other little videos as I'm trying to see if that's something I want to do. We've, we've recently actually recorded a bit of a cooking video. One of the things I want to do is cook through the Star Wars cookbook and we actually have the video recorded. I've got to edit it and post it. Um, but, uh, and I don't really know the best way to do that. I'm not good at the video thing. In fact, I'm pretty ugly. And so I don't like being on video <clears throat> and I'm still trying to figure out, and you know, me, I, I, I want it to be, I don't want it to be, I want to get to the height of mediocrity with what I'm doing. And mediocrity means you're going to have decent video quality and good audio quality, but the content may not be all there. That's kind of where I'm at. I'd hate to have good content and, but in, in, and every now and again, in my, in, in my hamster wheel of mediocrity, I will stumble over really good content. And so I would hate to stumble over really good content and not have good video and good audio. So I don't know what I'm doing. I've, I have absolutely supposed to been talked to Stuffity a couple of times for, for, to give me some guidance and, and we haven't been able to make things work, you know, the way we want them to. So who knows? Um, you know, we, I'm look, you can see tonight on this particular episode, the height of mediocrity, a lot of ums, a lot of ahs, a lot of trying to get my thoughts together when I should have done that beforehand. You know, I, I should probably just go straight to the phones right now, but you know what? Let's, uh, let's, let's get YouTube channel. Geek out loud. Just find it. I don't, I can't, I don't have my own. Just find it. Look how, look how mean I got just then. <laughs> That's so rude. Steve, you're so rude. Um, and uh, see if you can see if you can find it. Hopefully it'll be be good for you. Um let's do this. Let's 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 cleanse our palate with uh with one of the greatest moments in cinema history.
Shut your mouth. I mean, come on now. Um, this That moment in, in Avengers, uh, the moment in... Uh, in <laughs> the moment in Rocky Three when he says, at least I ain't breathing so heavy. Um, in any of the training montages, let's be honest there. Uh, when he Oh, the moment in Rocky when he cuts the Russian. Uh, Superman 2, when he squeezes the hand of Zod. Um, what else? What else are some of the greatest movies in cinematic history? Moments in cinematic history. Uh, Karate Kid. No, uh, I'm not going to give that one there. But uh, yeah, that if that golly, if that don't get to even now, that moment gets me so pumped up. Like I just want to. Um, I, I just I just want to to go out and and conquer aliens that are trying to um to to take over the world basically or to, or to destroy the world. So, um, what's happening here? Um, Cam Hopman communicating with me via text. So, (laughs) uh, let's see. Um, snippet real quickly. Um, Marvel Legends stuff that's caught my attention lately. They, man, Marvel Legends, Hasbro has been putting out the Marvel Legends. Like they're like, here, here's this, here's this, here's this, here's this. And one of the things with that, um, they're developing the whole Gamerverse, and it started kind of with the Spider-Man game for PS4, and then they've got the new Avengers game coming and everything. And um, one of the things, there's a wave coming out that's the Gamerverse wave, and it has, I think, like Captain America. The Build-A-Figure is the Gamerverse abomination, but there are two figures that really, really captured my attention there with those, and one is the leader, who is the Hulk's, you know, one of his arch nemeses. And so, of course, I want that figure. And, of course, it's the one that is short-packed and no one can find uh, right now. The other is Captain Marvel, the original Captain Marvel, Marvel. I, I don't think they're like I don't think they're actually calling him Captain Marvel. I think they're calling him Marvel. But he is Captain Marvel. Like, that's who he was. And um, before Carol Danvers was Captain Marvel. Um, <clears throat> before Monica Rambeau was Captain Marvel. But it's, a, it's that great look with the flowy blonde hair. And he's even got the nega bands that... He would smash together and trade places with um, with uh, with Rick Jones, Rick Jones, and um, and so um, 
you know what? I'm a Jedi like my father before me. One of the greatest moments in cinematic history. Anyway, uh, those have caught my attention, but also they, they had another wave just before that one. And in that wave, they had Mach 1. And so Mach 1 is originally the Beatle. He was a bad guy. And um, during the Heroes Reborn stuff in the late 90s, uh, all the heroes were in a different universe. And so a new group of heroes stepped in to fill the gap. They were called the Thunderbolts. And it was Citizen V and, and Mach 1 and Songbird and Atlas and Meteorite. And Techno, I believe, was the guy's name. Um, and so as you go through the first issue, and they're all like, they're doing their heroic stuff, you come to the end, and it's revealed that they're not the Thunderbolts. They're the masters of evil. Baron Zemo is, uh, I mean, uh, Citizen V is Baron Zemo. Atlas is a bad guy named Goliath. Um, the uh, songbird is screaming Mimi. Uh, as I said, Mach 1 is the beetle. Um, Techno is a guy named the Tinkerer. And Meteorite is Moonstone, who is a villain uh, that got her start in the pages of The Incredible Hulk as well. I think that's where she got her start. I may be a little bit off on that. She may have got started in um, in the pages of Captain Marvel. But anyhow, so it seems like they're kind of along the long dipping in because they've got they've done Songbird and Citizen V and now Mach 1. And I was really excited because I'm like, oh, I'm going to be able to build this this great group from the late 90s. As well as you've got Night Thrasher from the New Warriors, and I'm kind of hoping that we'll see more of those New Warriors from the 90s come along. Not the new New Warriors that they've put out there because that's... Nobody wants that. Um... Let's see, Snippet. Hey, my wife and I built the Lego Ewok Village. That was fun. Took us a little, took us a few days. It's kind of one of those pandemic things we've done. She's been working from home. And so, uh, you know, we've had some evenings a little more free than normal, even though it's been really busy church stuff going on and, and everything. She's still working. And and, uh, and so I'm, uh, you know, I'm still working as well. But we've we've tried to kind of make sure we're taking time to, because we can't really, we haven't been able to hang out with other people or anything. So, uh, so that's been, that was fun. And that's a really fun build. It's a little tough in some places to get some different parts put on top of other parts. But once you get all the parts, parts is parts. Uh, but once it comes together, it's a really great deal with some throwbacks to the Kenner um, Ewok Village and everything else. A really neat, really neat kind of fun time. Um, snippet, I've been watching um, older and not so great superhero movies lately. Not like super old, you know, not like going back to the eighties or even the nineties. Um, the Spider-Man trilogy, which are great. Like Spider-Man one and two, like I hadn't watched Spider-Man two in years and I kind of watched it the other week, uh, late, just kind of part bits and parts here and there late night. Um, oh my gosh, what a fantastic movie. And what I, I, you know, what a great version of Dr. Octopus. What, what I would love to see now that we're in this era, and of course, you know, it all depends on Sony and Sony doing what's right and not rushing things. And there, and Sony is really trying to do that studio thing where they really seem like they're trying to rush into stuff. You've got the whole Morbius thing that's supposed to come out that's going to introduce Blade, that's, you know, going to obviously cross over into uh, with some of the Spider Man stuff because we saw the Vulture in one of those previews or whatever. And then, the whole Venom thing, which is probably, you know, I know they want to cross that into the Spider-Man universe and all. So I, I, it's, but I say that to say, I, I, 
that I would love to see them take what was done with Dr. Octopus in Spider-Man 2 and use and, and then use what we have today technology technology wise and just see a more true to comic book Doc Ock. And I don't mean he doesn't have to be in green suit. I, I tell you what I'd love to see is is the is the dapper suited Doc Ock from the 90s. Um, that was just a really cool look for Dr. Octopus because not the, he wasn't the armored up, you know, Dr. Octopus of the Spider-Man, the animated series. And he wasn't, um, he wasn't Tubby Ock from all those older comics. He just, he had a white suit on and, and he just, he was just the perfect, he just had a real kind of corporate Lex Luthery villain type thing, but still kind of had that brilliance and madness behind it all and just a ruthlessness to him. Um, in recent years in the comics, because of the superior Spider-Man and everything, have really leaned into his ego and all, but uh, that's neither here nor there. Um, I kind of want to watch the Fantastic Four and Fantastic Four 2. Not the bad Fan 4 stick, but the uh, Josh Trent, not the Josh Trent Fan 4 stick, but uh, Tim Story. Um, with Michael Chiklis and Jessica Alba and Ian Gruffin and uh, Chris Evans, um, all in those two movies, you know, and the rise of the silver surfer being the second one and all just like, uh, I haven't had a chance to, to watch those, but I kind of want to, um, maybe I'm a glutton for punishment, but you know, th there's something about that era that, that early two thousands between 2000 and 2008, you know, before Iron Man hits, um, it really did appear that Marvel was going to kind of flounder after the Spider-Man stuff. You know, there was not another Marvel movie that was very well received. Um, people would go and see them and then they would just really drop off because the quality seemed to wane. So, you know, and, and they also were trying to do the thing where all these movies had like some kind of pop song or rock song that would go with them. Um, I remember coming out of the Hulk, not the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Incredible Hulk, but Ang Lee's Hulk, just feeling not excited about it because it, it, it was just so lacking something. Everybody whispered. There wasn't a lot of, there wasn't a ton of action. The, the climax was kind of weird and hard to follow. And, um, it just seemed like, you know, it could have been more. I, I appreciate what they tried to do with everything, but but then you look at like the Daredevil, Ben Affleck's Daredevil. I enjoyed Daredevil, and what's even better than that, what was on what we got in the theater is the director's cut, because it expands the story. And there are a few little gaps that are filled in here and there, you know. But the biggest thing to come out of um, out of out of that was the Evanescence song. You know, wake me up inside. I can't wake up inside. You know, you remember that, and um, <laughs> and uh, I can't wake up. Wake me up in yet. I can't wake up. Um, of course, the Ghost Rider movies were pretty terrible. Uh, uh, by uh, again, by and large, by people's standards, you know, the Fantastic Four movies were not as well received as you know you'd want a Fantastic Four movie to be received, and and it seemed like, and it was that era where they felt like they had the X Men movies were pretty well received until the third one, you know? So you were just in an era where where it seemed like, and then when 2005 comes along and Batman Begin hits, Batman Begins hits, you're like, oh, well now, 
let's see all these characters. Let's see all the DC characters done with this type of earnestness to them. And, you know, Superman Returns come along, and I love Superman Returns, but but it's not well-received. It wasn't a well-received film for whatever reason. And, you know, and everyone's like, well, we want to see him punch something. And then when he punches something, and Man of Steel like, oh, he punched too much, you know. <laughs> it's too much violence. And, and so it's like, make up your mind. Um, critical people. The critical people. And I'm like, why don't you people stop worrying about he's punching so much and start worrying about them holding the camera steady? But, you know, we won't relitigate that. I did watch Batman versus Superman a a while back and found myself not disliking it as much as I did the first go around. Like, uh, it it has some very redeemable things, and especially knowing they're headed toward that Justice League movie or what have you. So, yeah, so I've been watching some of that stuff. Even the 1998 Godzilla's on Netflix, and I've been watching it in bits and pieces, you know, 15, 20 minutes here, 15, 20 minutes there. It's not great, you know, but it's a 90s, it's a 90s American action feature with a giant monster in it. You know, I mean, it really is. It, it is a, it is such a snapshot of, of cinema in that time, you know, because you'd had Jurassic Park come and, 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 and revolutionize cinema. And this was the, the Americans first real attempt to, to put their own spin on Godzilla and, and it just didn't quite work out, you know, and I love reading some of the stuff about what like Toho studio said about it and everything that, you know, Godzilla had no character. He was just an animal. And I'm like, did Godzilla have a character? Was he like a character in the, in the original Godzilla movies? And I think about it, I'm like, yeah, he kind of was, you know, he, he really kind of was. So, um, so it, you know, it's interesting. It, it's, it's, that's kind of what I, but I've been in that mood. I've been in a mood just to watch what we might consider subpar, superhero movies lately um or subpar genre movies not bad not you know the the average ones you know the ones that should have been or could have been so much more you know and you're like no that's fine i've been i've really been in the mood to watch movies and like that's fine you know i haven't been in the mood to watch bad movies you know i'm not i'm not plugging in like you know batman returns or you know batman and robin i just you know just like yeah yeah that's fine I don't know why it's it's kind of weird, and I'm not and look and I and I know and, and that's why I say some older and some in that other in that other area because like you say Spider Man, Tobey Maguire Spider Man that was actually a really good movie. What I love about those movies, especially those first two, are just how over the top the dialogue is. We really need to do a, uh, an episode on on the Spider Man on on Sam Raimi Spider Man trilogy because. Though it's just really interesting to watch and see how much those movies become very melodramatic, very soap operatic. Like it, they really are. It really is a superhero melodrama. As much dramatic emphasis as stuff gets, and they really lean heavy onto, especially in those first two movies. Not so much in the third movie. You know, everyone everyone dishes dishes the third movie for all the um, dancing scenes and everything else. But really, what what I realized in watching these things, and I hadn't watched them in years, is what what disconnects it is how much they try to make it fit more real dialogue and conversations and everything else. Like it it tends to be the it's the difference between reading a comic in the '90s and reading a comic in the early '70s. It really truly is that it's that kind of difference. And and I think what Raimi was going for was that Silver Age feel melodrama 
You, I mean, like, even as the goblins, like, have the first time the goblin and Spider-Man face off when the goblin is messing up that big festival in, in the first Spider-Man, he's, like, flying away out of control, and he's like, we'll meet again, Spider-Man, you know? Who says that? I mean, that is just classic 70s villain kind of stuff, you know, that Saturday morning cartoon villainy. And that's what Raimi was raised on, you know? That's what he, that's what he grew up with, and that's how... He, and I think that kind of charm really played it because it wasn't campy it was just melodramatic and it really works well it was it's kind of it's been fun to go back and and see those so um someone told me the spider-man movies were not as realistic like spy like superman um that's an interesting statement um mark mark hamill says that in the chat because um the thing about the Superman, especially the first Superman and, and what was meant to be the first two Superman movies, uh, Richard Donner had a, you could, it, there's a great, great documentary um, on some of those DVD sets of the making of, when they get into the making of Superman, some of the, some of the making of featurettes on, on some of those. Um, they, um, the, the, Richard Donner said he wanted verisimilitude, which is all, uh, which is really truth. It's the idea of truth, and 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 that's kind of what they wanted. They wanted everything to feel as close to realistic as it could in this type of universe, in this type of with this type of situation going on. So everything they tried to make sure it was grounded in what would this be like, what would this do, and so right down to you know some of the stuff that people have really jumped on a Superman for is like when, and when he catches Lois falling, they're like, Oh, his arms would cut her in half. If he's the man of steel. Well, if you watch, you can see as he gets to her, there's still a descent that takes place as he catches her to slow down and not just grab her and keep going. And then he begins to go back up and he catches the, the helicopters that falls and that sort of thing. So, um, there is a, there's a certain verisimilitude to it. Um, with Spider-Man, I just think that what Raimi does is he leans more into the comic book ideas. He leans more into, like I say, that Silver Age feel of Spider-Man. And we know that he didn't want Venom in the third movie. He wanted Vulture. He was going for Silver Age Spider-Man villains. He he wasn't interested in the more modern era villains. But because Venom is Venom, you know, that's that's what he went up going with. So... And Mark says my point was neither one of them realistic. Oh no, I I get that. You're you're exactly right. So um <laughs> Shaz Bazaar is uh headed home from work and he's rocking his Geek Out Loud shirt. Um so John Malkovich was meant to be Vulture. See, that would have been awesome. Can you imagine John the the um look, you keep that Sandman, I forget the guy's name who played Sandman, and that, and I don't mean to be disrespectful of that. I wasn't planning on getting this deep into the Spider-Man stuff with Raimi. But you keep the guy who played Sandman in there and play him the way that he played him, and then have John, John Malkovich over-the-top vulture with his presence and his menace, and, and Thomas Hayden Church. Thank you so much, Thunder Cam Hopman. Um, Thomas Hayden Church's Sandman, and, and oh my gosh. Look, Topher Grace is fine. I don't think that he, uh, he was great as kind of like a, an anti Peter Parker when it comes to venom, you know, he wasn't as muscled up as venom needs to be. 
but but you but when you have but I but golly you replace him with vulture and that and that too but then what you have to do is say um it, it what you have to do is is get Harry out of the picture like Harry can't give this man his money <laughs> pay him pay this man his money well, it's, it's your money. Pay him. Pay this man his money. Give this man his money. Give this man his vulture. I want my bird. Anyway, I just think it would have been an incredible. Time. I never knew that. I never knew that they had that they'd wanted John Malkovich as the vulture. And what a great, what a great pair that would have been. To go against to 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 play off of one another against Tobey Maguire's Spider Man. Wow, what a what a hit, what a swing and a miss on the part of Sony back in the day. So anyway, um, let's see. Here's another great moment from cinema history. Apparently, this is this is something that people have been clamoring for. Let's see. Recent cinema history, I should say. My friends, I'm sorry. I thought we had a shot. There's just too many of them. But there are more of us, Poe. There are more of us. I mean, look, it doesn't matter. doesn't matter what you think of episode nine. Um, that's such a cool moment. Now, did someone watch Avengers and say, we got to have Avengers Endgame moment in this? Of course they did. That's how, listen, you know, when she said, and I am all the Jedi, that I was like, well, somebody watched Avengers. But, um, but that was a great moment. And, and I don't like to play the what if this had happened game, but what if... Let's just say, and I'm not necessarily the biggest J.J. Abrams fan, but let's say he had done all three movies. He had he had developed an outline to go from seven to nine, or any of them, or the story group had developed a, a definitive outline to say this is what happens in seven, this is what needs to happen in eight, and this is what needs to happen in nine. And 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 our villains had been more well established and not completely eradicated in episode eight. I'm t- I'm referring to Snoke, not that you know. Not that there's a lot. Not there's a lot intimidating about a man in a gold robe, but just imagine if there'd actually been some character progression, you know, with him 
and an understanding, a better understanding of things going in, going, coming out of episode eight in episode nine, that, that these characters would have, we'd have gotten to see Poe and Ray and Finn work together a little more in episode eight. Um, you know, not, not the whole movie, but just a little bit more than they did, you know, um, just imagine if we got to see some of that, you know, see a little bit of a friendship develop between them. And then imagine that moment taking place, you know, without all of the weirdness of the fandom and the and the weird taste in many people's mouths about Star Wars when that moment that that's a great moment. You know, all hope is lost and here we go, you know. Um that was a great moment in recent cinema history. Another great moment happens uh on the gallery, Disney Gallery, Star Wars the Mandalorian. This is a a multi-part series uh that is kind of doing some behind the scenes very much like DVD extras, you know, with what Lucasfilm has always been really good about ever since the advent of DVD. Um, one of the things Lucasfilm has done super well is give us behind-the-scenes footage, documentaries, conversations with the creators, that sort of thing. And um, and and this is this is no different. Uh, the first episode was really cool to just, you got to know all the different directors and their experiences with Star Wars and, and what they were doing with the Mandalorian. And, and it was just nice to get to know these people in the same way that we would get to know George, or we'd watch interviews with Irving Kirshner and all those different things back in the day. Um, and, uh, and, and so now this is kind of a similar thing. Well, at the end of the second episode, literally seven minutes, Dave Filoni takes takes practically seven minutes to break down what Star Wars is all about, and it's it's beautiful. Just we're going to listen to a little bit of it. Prequels, I thought, were almost an impossible task. How do you tell the story that we've all grown up with, imagining who Anakin Skywalker was? You saw so many things in Phantom Menace that you just imagined, like the Jedi Council, and none of it really was what I had expected. But I know now that that's just like how creative George is. Like he just sees it differently and he's laying it down. And I love the lightsaber fight with Darth Maul, not because it's a lightsaber fight, but because George is so good at crafting why that fight's important mm. every time. Like, you know, the Obi-Wan Darth Vader fight isn't like the most wonderfully staged necessarily combat that you're ever gonna see, but there's so much at stake. It's so meaningful when Obi-Wan dies that we all feel like Luke. In Phantom Menace, you're watching these two Jedi in their prime fight this evil villain. Maul couldn't be more obviously the villain. He's designed to look evil, and he is evil, and he just expresses that from his face all the way out through the type of lightsaber he fights with. What's at stake is really how Anakin's gonna turn out, because Qui-Gon is different than the rest of the Jedi, and you get that in the movie, and Qui-Gon is fighting because he knows he's the father that Anakin needs, because Qui-Gon hasn't given up on the fact that Jedi are supposed to actually care and, and love, and that that's not a bad thing. The rest of the Jedi are so detached and they've become so political that they've really lost their way. Mm -hmm. And Yoda starts to see that in the second film. But Qui-Gon is ahead of them all. And that's why he's not part of the council. So he's fighting for Anakin. And that's why it's the duel of the fates. It's the fate of this child. And depending on how this fight goes, Anakin is gonna, his life's gonna be dramatically different. So I mean, like, he starts at Phantom Menace, as you can hear, and he works his way all the way to Return of the Jedi, and and it's done masterfully. Like this is someone who gets Star Wars. This is someone who understands what it is to 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 talk Star Wars, and 
And he has the whole table of directors just engaged, completely engaged in what he is saying. And this is what I think is, is one of the best things, one of the reasons this is one of the best things we've seen is because all of these creators who create Star Wars are listening to someone who sat at the feet of the Star Wars creator himself and learned about the Force and learned about Jedi and learned about making Star Wars and what Star Wars is as it's at its core. He is now imparting that wisdom to these people. Uh, Taika Waititi, who's going to be making Star Wars, you know, he is now listening to the master's apprentice who is now, um, I guess a master himself. If you want to go that route, he's on the council and he is breaking it down and making each one of these directors, even John Favreau, he is sitting here making them his Padawan. And what a great, he just, he builds to such a great crescendo in, in discussing star Wars. It's a thing of beauty that he comes to. And you just want to pump your fist in the air and say, yes. But what saves Luke is his ability to look at all that and look at his father and say, no, I'm going to throw away this weapon. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to let that go and be selfless. And, and he says, you know, I am a Jedi like my father before me. But what he's really saying and why we connect, I connect so powerfully to it is like he's saying, I love my father. And there's nothing you can do that's going to change that. And the, the emperor can't understand that connection. Why wouldn't you take some African power of the galaxy? Why wouldn't you take this? And Anakin then in that moment has to decide to be the father that he's never had. He has to give up all the power of the galaxy and save his son. And, and that's the selfless act that he does in return for his son. And that's what saves him in turn. So the, the son said, the father, the father said the son. And it works out perfectly. And I draw that line all the way from Phantom Menace to Jedi. That's the story of Star Wars. Everything so when he pops else, the helmet, you're saying when he pops the helmet off in that moment was part of the, yeah, the faded arc. It's all part of the fader. It's all part of like why it works and why we care. It's not about X wings. It's not about all these the things we decorate Star Wars in. It's important. It's part of the genius of it. But we soulfully react like we don't just want an action movie. We want to feel uplifted. And and Star Wars is an adventure that makes you feel good. You know, it makes makes me feel like wow. I I want to be a part of that. So that's what, that's what I always go back to with Star Wars is this selfless act and this family dynamic, which is so important to George, so important to the foundation of Star Wars. That's in us. And what I like about it is it's, it is really saying there is a lot of hope out there that we fundamentally want to be good people, that we can all be driven to do terrible things, but that we can persevere uh, through selfless action. So George has this hopeful story and it's something that he's reiterated most times I've seen him, uh, you know, after we've been making things uh, without him is remember to make these stories hopeful. Mm. Remember to give that to kids because they really need it. And so that's, that's just something to keep in mind. I mean, come Can on. Bring us down? Come on. I mean, like, look, you had Dave Filoni holding court. And, and, when, and when he's made his point, everyone finally says, oh. I've just been to Star Wars Church, basically, I, and 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 it, and to hear him say, every time I've talked to George since we've been making this stuff without him, he says, "Remember to keep these things hopeful. Remember that." And and Star Wars is about hope. Star and 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 it's not lost on me. And I and I don't mean this as a shot across the bow at anybody or anything, but it's not lost on me that Filoni says, 
you can follow that line through from Phantom Menace to Jedi, and he ends with Jedi. He doesn't he doesn't progress to because the I, I do think that that family dynamic was lost and twisted out of proportion uh, in in the sequels. I'm not hating on the sequels. I'm saying that 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 is the absence of that that creator's touch through through those and 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 so to hear Filoni not only have reverence for George Lucas but to communicate so clearly to people who are going to be working on Star Wars moving forward what Star Wars is all about was a breath of fresh air and it was absolutely wonderful um and and for and for him to um absolutely connect everything from um from Phantom Menace to Jedi is just it, it was it was so it was so perfect. I have not I have always tolerated but I've never understood the absolute disdain for the prequels. I, I tried to listen to a podcast recently um, where some people were watching Star Wars for the first time, and they had a guest on who was a Star Wars fan who began to tell them all about how Lucas completely acted like a petulant child with his toys and and wanted to and, and messed up his own movies and then turned around and made the prequels and, and absolutely ruined everything. And, and I'm just like, this person doesn't get it. This person, and I'm sorry, I know that this is supposed to be a safe place to geek out. And I totally accept you. If you don't like the prequels, I that's fine. That's fine. But here's the thing. I don't understand. And I don't think that you were giving the opportunity to understand because so often what people want, I don't, I don't know what you wanted out of the prequels, except what you had imagined for so many years. And so, um, and I don't think absolute disdain is the situation on the ground at this point. I th- here's the thing, Dylan. I uh, D- D- that's Dylan Newhouse in the chat saying that. I, here's the thing about that, and, and I'm just talking about the prequels, just strictly the prequels right now. I really had forgotten that that had happened. You know that that was a thing until I heard this person who is of my generation kind of talking about talking about it and and completely going that route. And I'm just like. It, they're not bad. The, you, you know, when you when you begin when you really understand the fullness of what's going on, and you understand the fullness of the story that George Lucas is trying to tell, um, <clears throat> it is it is an absolute. It, it, listen, it's a warning. It, it is it is a it is a it is a moral warning for people, and I know people can take it. And the, you know they tried to make the emperor out to be George W. Bush back in two thousand five, and all the emergency powers he's taken and war and everything. Y'all, you look around today, and you look around today, and you see the warning that Lucas was giving us through the Galactic Senate. There's an emergency, and those executives take emergency powers and they run with them. And it doesn't matter if you're on the left, the right, or whatever. It's like, hey, don't let this happen, you know, because democracy will die with thunderous applause. You know, and and it's not going to die from from without. It's going to die from within, and and people are going to applaud it thunderously. What an amazing statement to make! You know, it, no, regardless regardless of your politics, this is a statement about democracy, and it's just absolutely, um, 
It's absolutely uh, this this incredible thing where you don't only see that from a political standpoint, because everyone's like, oh, one wants politics. No, how about this? How about give your children appreciation for politics, you know, and democracy from the get-go? I love what Cody Murphy has said here in the chat. He's like, look, he's an attorney today because the tragedy of the Galactic Republic gave me a passion for democracies. The, pe the prequels are incredible, and they are my Star Wars. And then you take the adventure side of it. You know, regardless of what you think of the story of Episode 2, I've always said that Episode 2 is the weakest of those prequels, and, and for the longest time, to me, was the weakest of the Star Wars films. But just from the fun adventure side of things, you I mean, like, it opens with a bang, it slows down a little bit, and then, boom, we're in a car chase through Coruscant. You know, and then, boom, we're, um, we're, um, we're now, we're... Uh, in <laughs> on a on a mission to uncover, you know, who's trying to kill Padme, and then before you know it, we are we're in the tragedy of Anakin Skywalker losing his mother, and next thing you know, we're running through a droid factory that has no bearing on anything except to get all of our characters back together, captured in this arena, and then it's like it all busts loose. You know, you have the little, it, it just, the way that battle grows and grows and grows until ultimately it comes back down to Yoda walking in <clears throat> on, on, uh, on Dooku. I mean, there's some great action adventure in there. Is the love story good? No, it's not. I'm sorry. It's just really not that great. And it's hard, and it's kind of hard to believe. But, and, you know, it's also, it's also, meant to be again like those old serials so everything's moving kind of fast everything's moving and i get it i you know i completely get it and then you get to revenge of the sith and and there's no time there's no time to develop any more character to do anything else because we are on a headlong rush and and you're and i really do the last time i watched revenge of the sith i'm like i'm kind of feeling that with anakin and now that I'm into now that we've seen the Clone Wars and what's going on on the other side of the galaxy, and we've seen what Anakin went through in the fullness of the Clone Wars, you know, right down to the way his his Padawan left and then getting his Padawan back, kind of, and then leaving to go save the. You realize how fast everything was moving and how fast everything was happening. And, and he had no time to catch his breath. He had no time to be what he wanted to be or be what he felt he needed to be. And so, yeah, the one person that he looked up to as a father figure because the other father figure he had is gone. Obi-Wan's not really a father figure, even though he says that in episode two, you're the closest thing I have to a father. Even though he says that, you know, Obi-Wan's more of his brother. And Obi-Wan even says that on the on the side of the lava river and on Mustafar. He says, you are my brother, Anakin. And so everything is moving so fast. Everything is moving so rapidly and quickly that Anakin doesn't have time to catch his breath. He is going fully based on just his own personal desire to keep Padme alive. And it's, it's absolutely... Um, it's it's this amazing fall that we see take place. I, I I it's it's not canon at all. And even when it was written, they said this isn't canon. But back in the day, the Star Wars tells that. But I think it, I do think it merits something, some discussion. In Star Wars tales, you know, after uh, Phantom Menace happened, you know, the big thing was Vader or Maul. Who's better, Vader or Maul? Who would win? And they actually did a Vader versus Maul issue where the two fight. 
and uh, it was a comic book. It's called Star Wars Tales, and it's not canon, of course, but um, these things were usually oversized with extra stories in them. But I, as I recall, this one just had the one story throughout. Invader finds himself on a Sith planet, you know, much like Mustafar, but he's in the, he's kind of in the depths of it. And so that's where the lava is and everything. It's never, I don't know that it was ever named. I don't really remember, but there are some Sith spirit beings kind of like what we have on Exegol in episode nine. And, and this is kind of like Vader's Sith test. He now has to fight the embodiment of anger, which is Darth Maul. And so Darth Maul is risen from the dead and they begin to fight and, and Darth Maul is kind of talking trash with Vader in this, so it's not really like the Maul we'd seen in Episode 1. We'd not seen Episode 2 at this point, as I recall. And um, and Maul has Vader down on one knee, and, and basically he says, what could you ever hate enough to defeat me? And Vader runs his lightsaber backwards, and I want to say he might have even gone through his own body or armor with it to run Maul through. And uh, he says, myself, I'd hate myself enough to do this. And and we kind of see that in Anakin as he stands there on Mustafar with tears running down his face. And and you know that he is he's hating himself. And then when the emperor tells him, you killed Padme, even though that didn't happen, you know, what else is he to believe? Padme's not there. She's not safe. He's this monster now. And he absolutely despises himself. And so the, the, the fear led to anger and the anger did lead to hate. And now he is suffering in his hatred. And, and that goes then to dark empire. I think it was dark empire. Again, it's not, um, it's not, uh, it's not canon, but I want to say it was in dark empire where we actually see Vader in his meditation chamber and he's meditating, and he's trying to heal himself. He's trying to heal his body that's been wounded. And when he gets healed, when he actually does heal himself with the Force, with the dark side of the Force, when he gets a little bit of peace because of it, um, it, it he the healing reverses. Like, he loses his grip on the healing because he, he's no longer mustering that dark side. And so, yes, his hate leads to suffering his own personal suffering physically and emotionally and everything else. So that when we finally see Vader in Rogue One tearing through some men callously and un, and uncaringly to get those plans, and when we see him on the deck of the Tantive Four, and he has the has the rebel, uh, has Captain Antilles in his hand choking him out, he does not care that he is killing this man. He wants He wants those plans, and that is all he cares about. Everyone else, if he is suffering, everyone else must must suffer. And he is only concerned now with power because that is the only way to ease his suffering. And so then when he finds out his son is alive, I'm going to turn my son because this is the way of the Sith and we're going to overthrow the emperor. But then the emperor is like, I don't want this broken down old half machine man with me. Um, I want this kid you know, the son of Anakin Skywalker is going to be my apprentice. And then, and then you get into what Filoni was talking about. It, it is this amazing story. It is this amazing tale. It's the tragedy of Darth Vader. It's the adventures of Luke Skywalker. And then the continuing adventures of those people. I, and again, I don't, that's not meant to be a total shot at the prequel or the sequels rather. What it is meant to say is, is that, what you just heard in that in that clip is here is the man who sat at the feet of the maker 
and who understands Star Wars. So um, this is, it was just so cool to hear, so refreshing to hear. I have droned on and on up. But speaking of that man, that man brought us the final season of The Clone Wars. And um, honestly, the last four episodes really made the entire season. You know, the Bad Batch arc had been out there. I'd not watched it in the previous form that it had been out there, not pre-Vizsla. Um, and, and, you know, look, that was fine. The Bad Batch arc was fine. It was good. It was fun. It was neat. It was cool to see Echo. And, and that whole mission was very intense. And, um, you know, it was like, hey, here are the clones back again. Let, let's, let's refresh our memory about what, what these guys are all about. And, um, and then as we moved into that Ahsoka arc, eh, you know, I, it just wasn't that, that Ahsoka arc didn't really do it for me uh, as far as, you know, my overall enjoyment of everything. I felt like it moved too slowly. I felt like there was, I felt like they could have done it in two episodes instead of four. Um, it, it was neat to see Pikes. It was neat to see Darth Maul. And, and then that opens up everything that happens going into um into the the final finale um i got to tell you as we um as we open up this whole thing uh with the first of those four episodes old friends not forgotten and the um let's see if we can just hear it here And the old school Lucasfilm logo comes up, a Lucasfilm limited production. I mean, come on, man. Like, I, they didn't have to do that, but I love that they did. And then they actually do the theme to come on like this has never been done with Clone Wars. It was awesome. And I was expecting, like, a, the scroll to start coming up, you know, but part one, old friends not forgotten. Under siege, separatist forces have launched a major offensive. And then they go into the opening crawl, which the, the, the opening crawl was always, you know, throughout the Clone Wars was Tom Kane doing, doing these things. Um, I was really, really just kind of blown away with everything because you begin to see these Jedi on the planets. I didn't realize what was about to happen. But when you see Ayla Secura on Felucian, when you see um, uh, Plo Koon and his Jedi starfighter flying through those clouds, and I'm not sure what planet that was. I want to say maybe that was Cato Nemoidia. You see these different Jedi in, with their armies in different places, and it's just like, oh, they're, they're set in the field. And... And when we open with big action, big war, and what's really cool about the way we open this whole thing is those giant droids with the big round heads are pressing the attack. They're shooting rockets at the clones. The rockets are being pinned down by the clones. Obi-Wan makes a great appearance and a great save, you know, and he's in his Jedi robes. He doesn't have the armor on, um, you know, and, it, and he, he saves Cody's life, which is just, you know, again, when you know what's coming, it's 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 very heartbreaking. But what I'm saying is the symmetry of those big Octobots or whatever they're called being some of the first things we see in this episode, they were the first things we saw fighting them in the original Clone Wars movie. And I just thought that was 
genius and brilliant. Of course, Anakin shows up, he's a little cocky, and he does a Kanan Jarrus where he just kind of ducks to the side as a shot comes at him. He just kind of dodges out of the way. And and I just, I love that move. I love that moment. And I, it's one of the things that made me fall in love with Rebels is when Kanan just kind of dips to the right when a blaster bolt goes by him. And Anakin does that. But we get to see Anakin take down one of these things just like he did um, in in that first episode, in that, in that movie. Um when uh when 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 we when we run into them initially. So it was just really a neat, just so good so, such good stuff. Such good stuff. Um and then of course they bring Ahsoka back and there's the great moment with you know, she's of course teamed with Bo Katan, who we'll see apparently in Mandalorian season two. And um and and she's got the battalion that is calling her commander and they've got their helmets painted like her. Anakin gives her her lightsabers and, and it's on now we're in Mandalore and, and the battle begins. And this is one thing I didn't expect is that this is running concurrent with episode three. You know, we'd always talked about, you know, clone wars and maybe it's because of, um, the Gendy Tartakovsky clone wars series, the micro series, it ended with Anakin and Obi-Wan leaving to get back because the chancellor had been kidnapped. Well, here we're seeing this battle take place concurrently while they're going and doing that. Um, if I were a good editor, you know, you could almost edit in these different things that are happening simultaneously and, and put these things together. And, and I just, when, when they leave, when they get that distress call and they're gone, I'm like, this is again heart wrenching because the last thing, the last conversation Ahsoka and Anakin are really going to have is this one about, you know, when he gives her the lightsabers and everything, and and now she's got to go face down Maul, and Maul knows kind of what's going on. Like Maul, that's the other thing is Maul is not just this silent assassin, you know, with angry face on. He is now, you know, he knows what's happening. He was kind of privy to some of the plan back in the day. And so, so not only is he a threat, you know, now he is, he's trying to bring Ahsoka under his tutelage and to be his apprentice. And of course they have a great battle. They have a great fight. And, and, and you're just wondering the whole time you're watching these things and it's and and all four episodes have this tonal, this this tonal music it's not really you know music will come and go but there's always seems to be just this this tonal thing that's happening that just portends tragedy throughout the throughout each episode and until ultimately order 66 is given and it's such a great moment as rex turns around and he's like find fives find fives you know that takes you all the way back to the beginning of season six um when you had the whole clone situation going on when fives uh was talking about the chip that was in his head and everything else and um you know and now ahsoka discovers that and has to get the chip out of rex's head and it's this incredible thing and it is so it's the tension of what is going to happen now how will we ever get out of this how you know and then you get the final episode victory and death i mean come on there is nothing good <laughs> That, you know, you say, oh, victory, yay, and death. Oh, but still not without hope. And it is sad. It is sad to see the droids get killed and everything else, you know, that go on. But, you know, we know Ahsoka lives. 
Um, we know Rex is alive somewhere and I think my wife is going to sleep. So, you know, obviously we know when we see Rex, when we catch up with him and that sort of thing. Um, what was really neat was my wife got into Clone Wars. I tried to show her cause she's not into the fighty fighty war stuff, you know? And so I really tried to just show her some episodes that were kind of Ahsoka centric and force centric. She loves backstory and stuff. And, and she just would not really give it the chance that she needed. All she could focus in on is, 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 is Ahsoka's um, garb. She thought Ahsoka was too scantily clad. And I'm inclined to agree. I, I think that little Ahsoka probably could have used some more clothes on. But as Ahsoka gets older, she gets more clothes, which I think is good. Um, and, uh, and so I just couldn't get her to focus on the character of Ahsoka. Uh, but she finally did, especially in these last few episodes. And it was really neat to watch the the season finale of Clone Wars and then turn around and watch the season finale of season one of Rebels, where Ahsoka shows back up. And people had apparently online done a fantastic job of not spoiling anything that she had seen. Because I think what she was reading when people said, we finally see what happens to Ahsoka, we finally see what goes on with Ahsoka. I think she thought that meant we finally see the fate of Ahsoka, which we had all kind of known, you know, we didn't know for sure what went on between the time she left the Jedi Council and when she shows up in Rebels, but we knew she was alive and knew what was going on. So she's like, well, does Ahsoka... And I boldface lied to her. She's like, well, does Ahsoka show up in Rebels? Is she... Because she saw Ahsoka in a in a cloak in a with a hood on. She's like, well, that one time Fulcrum showed up, that was what they were wearing. I'm like, well, everyone wears cloaks when they're being secretive. Haley, come on, man. And... uh and so I basically bald-faced lied to her, hoping she'd be surprised. But instead, when Ahsoka comes climbing down the ladder in Rebels, she just gets this confused look on her face. <laughs> and it's like, it's like I've betrayed her by not letting her know that Ahsoka was Fulcrum. And, uh, and now, you know, she's just looking at me like, but I thought she was dead. I thought she was. And so, um, so yeah, but it was really neat, though, to turn around and watch her do that. And then we watched the season premiere of rebels and you know the apprentice lives but, but man i look you see this and and what i loved really about ahsoka was her unwillingness to kill the clones even though they had turned on her um not even yoda did that you know yoda when he realized he was in danger i mean he beheaded a clone and when he's getting into the uh into the into the temple um is uh he you know he's like tossing lightsabers at clones and and running them through and that sort of thing, and I understand they have to. I'm I'm not I'm not saying that Yoda's wrong, but I'm saying that Ahsoka becomes that hopeful voice that she recognized these were these were men that she fought with, she fought side by side with in, in a war that she uh, got roped into, whether she believed in it or not, and and she barely survived because she didn't, you know, she didn't want to let loose and kill. And she had to compromise and let Maul loose. And, you know, and she didn't want to do that. And of course he almost gets them killed. And, uh, it was a great tense moment. there as the wild wings coming down. And then as you flash forward, I'm not sure how many years, because the shuttle that lands is an Imperial shuttle from the return of the Jedi era. Um, or empire strikes back era. It's not one of those shuttles out of rebels it is a it is a shuttle of that the lambda class shuttle I think is what it's called and um, and so it's I'm interested to know how many years I don't know if anyone's seen that has anyone 
Has anyone seen how many years they say it is or how long it is? Because I don't think it's right after because it's the wrong Imperial shuttle, but it is, it is, it is a thing of beauty, straight up snow troopers and storm troopers, and then Vader walking through the snow. And, um, someone compared this shot to, uh, Superman coming out of the fortress and man of steel. And it, look, it's very, it's very similar, but y'all, I need more of that animated Vader. I, I need, I need more of that. And, um, yeah, he just looks so great. Like, you know, the, the Vader and rebels was intimidating and scary and everything, but this Vader just has that look. And of course the owl thing is there. So what I'm hoping is, is that we get some kind of dark times, um, some kind of dark times series, you know, that's done up in this style of animation or something. Golly, I'm just looking at it right now. And that Vader looks amazing. And he's holding Ahsoka's lightsaber that he gave her. And, and I guess he's just assuming she's dead, which, you know, is a, is a different, um, you know, is a decent assumption to make. Um, the stylized Vader and rebels that looked more like the Macquarie, the original Macquarie drawing was fine. You know, it was, and you got used to it, but man, uh, just to see this were, were fantastic. Um, wow. So anyhow, um, that was that, that look it, it clone wars did a great job of ending um everything that they needed to end clone it was it was a it was a wonderful um it was a wonderful ending to uh to that to that series a series that had meant so much to so many people for so long and and for Dave Filoni who we just heard waxing so eloquently about Star Wars for him to be able to finish the show out his way was just wonderful. I love that it, it ran concurrently with episode three. Um, there is, there is heartbreak that is, is there with, um, with Ahsoka because of, um, you know, because you know that she's not going to see Anakin again. You know that, that's that. And the next time she even utters that name is going to be uh, him basically playing her for a fool. It, it, it's, it's, it's a thing of beauty. It's a thing of beauty. So I know that some of you who are listening live right now um, might have some things to say about it yourselves. And so I want to offer you the opportunity to call in. Um, the number is 706-383-383. 3091 706-383-3091. You know, this always ends up being a bit of a cluster. It's kind of late where I'm at. How long have we been going here? Uh, been going about an hour and a half. Uh, so we'll, you know, we'll see if we can get a half hour, half hour's worth of calls out of everybody. Um, so if you want to give a call, you can either hit me on Skype if you've got that, or it's 706-383-3019. There's no way to spell geek out loud or Goliverse with that or anything. I wish there was. Now we do that awkward thing where we wait on Andy to call first. Is he even still listening? Does he know he can call? I'm really disappointed that Andy didn't just like, ba-doom, you know, I, that was, to me, I feel like that was a tragedy. 
Hey, we got to celebrate Erish's birthday the other day, and that was fun, and got to hang out with some really great people, and um, some some great Star Wars artists were there, and uh, Vanessa Marshall showed up. It was just a fun time. The number is 706-383-3019. 706-383-3019. Or if you have me on the, the, uh, the Skype, you can... You can get in that way. So, um, and, uh, Cam Hopman's got his last weather coming up, and I think he's going to try to call in. So, I should probably cue his music up. Cue the music and, uh, and, and have that ready to go when Cam calls. Thunder, feel the thunder, lightning and the thunderstruck. Let's see who this is calling from the 970 area code. Hello, hello. Are you? Well, let's see. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, don't hang up. I probably need to adjust my settings. And let me do this really quickly. So sorry. Yeah, I messed up there. Um, here we go. All right. Who, who's here with me? Roth in Wyoming. Hey, How's Roth. Going? How's it going, brother? Good, good. What a great four episodes. Oh man, it it was outstanding. It was it was to me it was it was everything that I would have expected and everything I never expected all at the same time. Yeah, for sure. And Filoni is just—I mean, there's not enough good things you can say about Filoni because he's he's just the master, like you said. And in my opinion, he sometimes gets Star Wars maybe even better than George does. Wow. Now in that's, order to, well, now in order to kind of portray it to a wider audience. Yeah. I, well, here's the thing. I, I think that I don't see, I don't know that I agree with that per se. I, I, I think that George, you know, obviously taught him everything he knows. And I think though, that what Dave brings to it is the sensibility of a fan. George is not a fan of star Wars. George is the creator yeah. of Star Wars. And and Dave has learned how to be a little less fanish, you know, over the years. You can really kind of see it. Like, I remember back in the early episodes of Clone Wars, there was an episode where there was a ship that had a cloaking device, and it was a very small ship. And um, and he said, and I told George, but George, no ship that small has a cloaking device. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was the first Trench episode. Yes, yes, yes. And George was like, well, it does, it does now, you know. <laughs> And so I think what Dave learned to do is not be so precious about some of the things that we as fans may be precious about, but he's still a fan. And so I think that the reverence that he brings to it is something that Lucas may not have ever had. Lucas was beholden to his own ideas and his imagination, but I don't think that he had the reverence for it uh, that that Filoni has as the creator of it, if that makes sense. For sure. Um, You know who that, that Vader kind of reminded me of at the end there? a mix of the Rebels kind of design, the Macquarie design we got. And then I even saw a little bit of the Hayden Christensen vibe because he was kind of skinnier than like OT Vader, kind of like Hayden was. Right. He definitely didn't have the Prowse body, so it was probably still kind of early. But, um, but yeah, it definitely a little seemed seemed a little lanky there. But I thought it was a beautifully done few minutes of animation. Uh, the, the the, The Vader model was fantastic and... 
And uh, and when someone pointed out that this was kind of a similar, you know, shot for shot thing from Man of Steel when he's walking out of the Fortress of Solitude for the first time, or I guess it's not the Fortress, it's that ship that's up there in the Arctic for the first time. It it is very similar, very similar shots and very, but it looks, golly, it, it just it's fantastic. I I was just blown away by it, breathtaking. And Kevin Kiner really shining for, I don't know if it's fair to say for the like one of the first times, but. This music in the last four episodes was definitely his best work. I think he's done on Clone Wars. Yeah, you know, Kevin Kiner is a, is really throughout the Clone Wars uh, is honestly he does a great work, but it's always been a mixed bag. Um, yep. and, and I think that has to do with you know th- this series was the first time that Lucasfilm had done anything remotely like this. Uh, you can go back to the I know that Shaz is going to be like droids and Ewoks, droids and Ewoks. But 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 for something that is not bound by those old Saturday morning cartoon uh, constraints that were you know that were put on them by the government and everything for trying to tell a real story, but also trying to appeal to kids, you go back and watch that first season, and you can really see where they're struggling to find their identity. And when they finally do lay it in and get there, um, you know Kevin Kiner, his music kind of comes along with it. And and it progresses as well, you know, because for a while there, they're like, well, you know, in this episode, we're going to do more electronic because it's about the droids. In this episode, we're going to make it more kind of classical because, you know, more classic monster movie because it's the Zillow Beast, you know. And when they stopped doing that kind of stuff and said, we wanted yeah. to make it more Star Wars. Um, that's, Took out the electric guitar from the Clone Wars movie and right, stuff like yeah. that. Which I liked. I wasn't against, you yeah. know. But yep. the problem is, is they never stayed consistent with doing that. And so when you get to yep. this, like I said, there was also that underlying just tonal sound that was going through all four episodes almost. Like, it was never completely quiet. There was always some kind of foreboding noise underneath everything until you get to the end. And um, and, and I thought that was really a neat call and a neat concept. But, yeah, I agree. Kiner did, did great work of, of kind of feathering in some almost full motifs of different things, you know, different, different, uh, pieces of John Williams music from, from all of the other, you know, films, you know, at this Mm -hmm. point. So I agree. I thought he did some great work. I've only seen that last episode once so far, but I'm pretty sure, I mean, I don't think there's a word of dialogue, like the last four minutes of it, like really since they like jump out of the ship. Yeah. I, I, I think you're, I think you're exactly right. Um, I, I just closed out the the window that I had it up in, um, but yeah, I, I think you're right, and and I think that speaks to just you know it. it well, the, I mean, look, Star Wars, all the movies always ended with no dialogue. You know, yep. You'd have you'd have a sequence for the last few minutes. You know, whether it's the throne room scene or whether it's after Luke says we'll meet you at the rendezvous on Tatooine, and they're just looking out over the stars to the nebula and everything you know just the music playing or the ewok celebration or the naboo celebration or the wedding celebration or or even the the delivering of the children to alderaan and tatooine you know and and you know star wars always kinds of you know or ray climbing the mountain to the you know the steps and luke steps and everything it wasn't really it gives you a second to breathe and yeah realize everything that you just took in right it really With wasn't the until lack of dialogue, and you're just like, wow. Yeah, it really wasn't until episode eight. Then they stopped doing that, and then and then they brought it back around episode nine. You know that kind of thing, and yeah. so it, it was fitting. But what's really what's really impressive about it is, like you say, from the moment they 
get off the ship or before they go to get off the ship, it's like, get there, you know, <laughs> get, get, give mm-hmm. me a boost. And then from that point on, there really is no dialogue. Uh, as far as I recall, I don't think they say anything to each other on the ground at all. Um, once they get down there. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's power, but I mean, you don't need the dialogue. I mean, it's so that whole sequence of her trying to get to the wild wing is so tense and you just, you know, you just see, that she is a Jedi and, and she does have, you know, these, these abilities and these powers. It's, it, it was awesome. My gosh, it was awesome. Yeah. Um, what do you think the likelihood of Disney editing all four of these episodes together into a movie would be? Um, I, I don't see why they wouldn't, uh, you know, I don't know what that they're would, set I don't up perfectly for it. Well, yeah, I mean, I think they're meant to be exactly yeah. where they end. Yeah. I think they're meant to be, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what that would entail for them to, to say, all right, put this together as one movie and then we'll put it back on the, I don't know. I mean, to me, it doesn't seem like it'd be a hard thing to do, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if they release it on like some type of, physical home media format in that way. Yeah. Yeah. I would love that for sure. Do we, do you think we ever get a full clone wars box set? Cause I doubt it. I doubt it. I, I think that, I think that the days of physical media being something that they're going to invest in with to that extreme are, are kind of gone. I think that their goal is to drive everybody to Disney plus. Yep. So yeah. Well, Roth, man, good talk my friend yeah you as well thank you so much good to hear from good you to sir hear you back i yeah. was i was actually about to watch the uh replay of the youtube because i wasn't there last week mm. and then i got my alert from mixler and i said well, well how listen, about live steve instead yeah listen there's no sense in watching the, I, the youtube thing <laughs> is probably one of the worst decisions i've ever made well so. i disagree with that and yeah. i'm a goal versus completist so. well, okay <laughs> well good luck good if you find them all let me know <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Thanks a lot, Roth. Take it easy. We'll see you, man. Bye bye. Bye bye. All right, two five four. Who we got here? We got uh Dylan Newhouse, Steve. How you doing? Hey buddy? Dylan, how's it going, man? Why you love this dot com. <laughs> That's right. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for the plug. I've only you know I was in, I was enjoying the show. Mm-hmm. Uh and but I heard before I even tuned in, you said something nice. Uh, about our show, about the uh, Superman 3 episode. Yeah, yeah, dude, I listened to it. I thought it was really fun. I, the only thing, if I had one critique, it would be there were times where I'm like, y'all need to push well, back. Steve, I, I didn't ask for any critique. What, what is that? You know what, Dylan? You make a great point. You make a great point. It's not my <laughs> I'm place joking. to critique. Well, I don't know really. What was your critique? Go ahead, no, the only thing is, like, because I love the guy. I, what was the guy's name you guys had on Talking Superman 3? Oh, that guy's like, he works in comics. Like, he knows Mark Wade. Right. He named uh, Michael Murphy, yeah. Michael Murphy. Um, I loved his take on the movie. I thought it was fantastic, but there were a few times where I'm like, I wish these guys would push back on him a little bit and, and, and really press this point or that point, because there were a few things where I'm like, okay, he's giving it too much of a pass here. And I love Superman (laughs) three. Well, it was our first episode and that guy was a comics pro. So, you know, no, I get it. I totally understand. I do. I totally understand. But listen, don't, don't, dude, you, you, you said the name of our podcast out loud. That means a lot to us. We're, a fledgling podcast, Look, and so thank you. Let really. me tell you something. Anytime you have anyone defending Superman 3, I'm there. Why you love this.com. 
Uh, yeah, I well, think that's awesome, man. I think it's I think it's really fun. I think it's a great concept too. Um, you know, to to just have people on talking about the things they love and and why they love them. Um, yeah, well, it was me, and my my good friend Jeff uh, Wires. We we would uh, record, uh, you know, and just like t- we would record about why, like like what podcast we want to have, and we realized it was like passionate, smart people talking about like their favorite thing. Those are the episodes of whatever podcast, including yours, mm-hmm. because that's what you do, right? Like you you talk about stuff you love, yeah, and. And so we wanted to see a whole show where different cool people came on and talked about that. Enough about my stuff, though. Oh, my gosh. Here's what I want to talk about. You sold your Black Series, Steve. What happened there? I did sell my Black Series. Um, This happened back in 2017 before I was getting married. Um, Yeah. 2018. When did I get married? 2018. Um, (laughs) I hope my wife's asleep. Um. I I just I had to make room, you know, in my little house, and the a uh, a large large portion of my Star Wars collection went away. Um, I sold it to make money to try to catch up on some debt, to try to pay for a honeymoon, uh, to pay for some wedding rings, to, uh, you know, and so part of that was the Black Series. Um, and uh, I still have a couple of Black Series figures roundabout. Um. But I've, I, you know, I, I've got my vintage stuff that I've always had. Um, yeah. And then, and then there are some pieces of vintage stuff that folks have actually given me through the years that I still have. And, and I tried to keep most of what was gifted to me over the years. Um, but there was just a lot that had been gifted to me. And so some of it actually ended up getting sold as well. And, and I hated it. Like there are some stuff that I really hate that I ended up selling um, just because I know I'll never get it back. Like, you know, it, it's one of those things that I'd have to be, um, flush with disposable income to get back. But I yeah. love, I love my wife more than I love star Wars. And so I'm, you know, me too. I'm, I'm me ha- too. Right. We can agree on that. Yeah. If, if anything, I, I love my wife much more than I love uh, star Wars. If nothing else, because she gave us our beautiful, uh, five month old daughter, Eleanor. Oh my gosh. You've got a baby. Oh, it's the best, dude. Why, it's, it's why the have I not seen? Best. Why have I not seen pics of the baby? I will send you pictures of the baby. Let's talk some more about the Black Series because here's the thing, Steve. I was a three and three quarter inch apologist. Like you were all happy about your Black Series. Mm-hmm. I mailed you an R two D two. I know. Black series. I know, man, and I yeah. loved it. I was so. It was. It was a. It was a. I had, thanks to you and then one or two other people who made sure that I got some gaps filled in, I had, through The Force Awakens, every Black Series figures released, including, with the exception of two uh, exclusives, with the exception of, like, two exclusives. And, uh, and and I rolled my eyes. I rolled my eyes and said, oh, okay, Steve, here's your giant R2-D2 right, that right. you're not going to want in a few years because you're going to come back home to three and three quarters. But in, like, a year ago... I looked at them, and now they have the, the, the face printing technology. Yep, yep. And I love the sequel trilogy quite a bit, mm-hmm. and I, I saw those figures, and I, and I went over, and I sold my whole collection of like 300 uh, <laughs> normal-scale figures, and now I have like 10 Black Series figures to show yeah. for it. Yeah. And then I tuned into Geek Out, out Loud, and you said... Uh, well, I sold them all. Yeah. Oh, well, you were it, a big influence on me turning the page on that. Well, so it's really well, it listen, feels like a slap in the face, Steve. Well, I'm sorry. Well, listen, Hasbro is going your way. 
Uh, from what I understand, they're going they're going to lean more into the six inch than anything uh, because they say that's what the market demands. Um, I saw a great write up about that though, saying, "Look, it's not the market's fault that you know they front loaded a wave here or there of like their three and three quarter inch vintage series, and then they're impo- and then the, fo- the the following waves are impossible to find because they they short ship them basically or they short manufacture." And so. Hasbro's Hasbro's manufacturing and distribution woes have been a thing since 2012. I mean, like it really, it's, it, it boggles the mind at how poorly for how long they have, they've, they, at, at one point it's like, okay, I understand you can't find the balance between collector and kids that are playing, but at some point, You've had eight years to find that balance. You're exactly right, and and I live in Waco, Texas. Uh, that's where I, I do a podcast called uh, "Why You Love This." You can find it at whyyoulovethis.com. But if I go to my <laughs> if I go to my local Walmart, you know what I see there, Steve? I see Luke with the Yavin medal mm-hmm. yep. on the vintage collection, and I, I see it eight pegs deep. Yep, and and then I see a, a Zori Bliss. Yeah, from the Black Series, and it's been that way uh, before the whole uh, pandemic thing. It's been sure. that way for like oh, you know, hey, five as, or six months. As yeah. far as the pandemic stuff goes, that's actually been a blessing because Walmart has actually said, "Well, I guess we can stock some of this stuff and put some other stuff on on clearance." But um, but yeah, the the Yavin Metal Luke and um the Spirit Yoda. Uh, now the Spirit Yoda, yeah, was around. But I was going to say, as far as the the vintage collection goes, three and three quarter inch, the the Lando and Skiff disguise is what I'm seeing more oh. of than anything. Oh, see, I'm going to see that around here. I, I got your uh, translucent spirit Yoda, and I got your Luke with metal, and that's all I have at Target, at Walmart, anywhere. Yeah. And I, I understand they're restocking toilet paper, and I understand that's more important. I do. But get one guy in there to refresh those pegs, and you're going to get like a hundred bucks from me. Right, right. When I go in. Well, yeah. especially with the uh, with the fortieth anniversary waves out there. Yeah, I found one at Target. I went in, and they had some Mandalorian like a uh, mugs, mm-hmm. and they had like a, a fun neon beanie of Empire Strikes Back, and they had uh, the uh, Hoth gear Leia on mm. that wonderful okay. vintage yeah, card. Yeah, yeah, for, yeah, for Black Series. And I bought it, and I was very happy. The, uh, I, the we were at a Target. I went with my friend Lucas, aka Lethargic Chewy, to. I remember Lethargic Chewy. Yeah. yeah, to a Target the other day, and um, they had an AT-AT driver and a Yoda, and I almost picked up the Yoda just because I really did like the Black Series Yoda. The problem is he's on that vintage style card, and I'm like, I want to open him, you know. <laughs> But I understand the you, purpose of that. You, you need to really work out your opening, non-opening issues, Steve. I watched your YouTube yeah. stream, and yeah. it, it was a real... I really thought you were going to open that I, Mandalorian. And, and and the fact that you didn't, I just, I paced around my house, going like, <laughs> what happened there? Oh, did you want me to open setting. Yes. So you were pro-open. They're toys, Steve. Come on, open them up. I know, I know, but... There's still, look, here's the thing. There is still in me the soul of a collector that just can't bring myself to, to do that thing. Um, 
you know, again, it's one of those things of with, with plenty of disposable income, I do the two of everything, you know, which I used to do when I, when I didn't need to be doing it. Um, one to open, one to keep on the card. But now, but I do like the vintage style cards and I do like to put them up on the wall and kind of have them adorning the wall. I just love the look of those things and they make me happy, you know. Neither of us can afford to do uh, that, apparently. Well, no, you know, no, you've got I a five-month-old child. I want to both. But there was a guy when the YouTube uh, live stream was going on that was recommending like an exacto knife or some way to like Shaz don't, Bizarre. You know, open yeah, the Shaz, card. Yeah, Shaz Bizarre. Is, is that Shaz? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Shaz I, Bizarre I apparently knows. Shaz Bizarre apparently knows how to open these things without messing up the card too badly. I used to like. I wouldn't go to his links, but I would like. You know, I would take it a nice and and kind of not damage the card too much. Right. And I sold my two hundred and fifty mm. uh, vintage collection figures. Hey, and I said, hey, I got the cards with them, not too badly damaged. You know how much that got me? Zero dollars. Wow. Nobody cared. Wow. Yeah. Now, if you had, at all. if you'd have had them on the card. Because the first thing I had to do, and I had to do this for, for funds. I, I had to. I actually found a, a a Facebook group and sold all of my vintage collection from that first go around with the vintage collection. Mm-hmm. And now you talk about heartbroken because I had some great figures. I had Ahsoka. I had the Clone Wars, Anakin and Obi Wan. I had I had figures that were going for a ridiculous amounts on the second market mm-hmm. on the secondary market and. And I even had to become that person that was asking. I didn't try to go too crazy, but I did mark them up, you know, because number one, I hated to let go. And number two, I realized people were paying these, this price for them. Yeah. And so, you know, and I needed the money. Um, and it wasn't out of greed. It was out of necessity. And, uh, and it was, it was sad. I hated to let those things go, but you know, it is what it is, man. And and it and going through and selling off as much of my collection as I did was also very cathartic. Um, because when I was in South Georgia, you know, and would broadcast from the Star Wars room in the South Georgia broadcast location there in Hazelhurst, Georgia, you know, I was surrounded in this big room, wall to wall with Star Wars from every era of Star Wars, vintage, modern, uh, prequel, you know, and, and there were still crates upon crates in closets that just never saw the light of day because I didn't have room for everything. And, and so, but I would still, I still just fiercely held on to those things. And, um, and so one thing that was a real big deal was like, I just started opening figures to have more because it's easier to store figures that are open than ones that are in the case. And so that was that yeah, was yeah. You put them in a Ziploc bag. Yeah, that was a help. Well, I've got some. What you do is you go to the fish and tackle aisle, <laughs> and uh, and you get a couple of fish and tackle cases, and you can fit about twelve figures in those bad boys, and they'll stack up just one on top of another. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but I you know so I've got some of that, and and then I've got a couple of just places where figures are just piled in on top of each other on, you know, and so it's like this, it's like, but to open some things up were, was really cathartic, but then to sell was also because it was like, Oh, I can let go, you know, and which I thought I would have no problem when the time came. Um, but I started to, and then, and then it got easier as we went along. 
and we hey, had look, fun. Man, you, you know? You're reasoning. You're reasoning for doing it. It, it. There's no better reason. Right. So I, I absolutely understand that, and I, I would say that I was only teasing, but ultimately, you know, uh, I I was the three and three quarter guy. Yeah. Uh, I would call in for a long time, and you were the Black Series guy. But now I look at my you know twelve Black Series figures versus my two hundred plus vintage collection mm-hmm. figures. And I couldn't be happier. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, it, really, I'm super happy. The the face printing and and it's there on my Star Wars bookshelf with books, and I'm glad. Right. Mm-hmm. And I never had so many that it was uh, you know taking up too much space in my house or anything. But you collect what makes you happy, and and I think that's what both of us are doing. It's just funny that <laughs> that, that we kind of swapped out. Like for you, it was three and three quarters for a long time. And you were kind of done. And right around that same time, I decided Black Series yeah. was for me. Well, now, here's the thing. Uh, I was never done with three and three quarter inch. What I did not like was the, the Hasbro really let the quality of three and three quarter inch go down if it, weren't, if, if it wasn't a vintage um, collection figure. So if oh, you yeah. just if you like, just like did during a, that Rebels era where it was just oh like my gosh. zero points of articulation yeah. or, or four or whatever yeah, it was. It was yeah. it was horrible. It, there were some horrible yeah. things there. But also, you know, again, you come to the distribution issues, you come to um some of their choices and figures they would put out. And and then it's just like I don't know, collecting got to be more of a chore. And I didn't have the money to drop a hundred dollars on a case of figures, you know, pre-order or whatever yeah. the case may be. So it's it's unfortunate because I really, I I think that Hasbro, for whatever reason, I I still kind of think that they don't necessarily want the license, but they don't want to let the license go either. They they that, don't. I think you're probably right. I I really don't understand why else they would have the problems they have. At this point, yeah, but because as any collector across the country, you walk into a Target, a Walmart, uh, you're, you're frustrated every time. And surely they could have worked with those uh, retailers to figure out something, uh, well, but, but I, they just they simply don't. And, I, and so, yeah, I think that I don't know. Yeah, I don't know, but it sucks to to be a collector on this end of, of that stick. It does, but you know what? Thank God for places like Dorkside Toys and Big Bad Toy Store and Entertainment Earth. You know, um, yeah. th- they're pretty good early on with pre-orders about letting you pre-order single figures. Um, you know, and then they, they they get to a point where they cut off because they don't want to be stuck with a bunch of, um, uh, a bunch of like you know peg warmers basically in their in their stock, yeah. but. But it, it's still a. It, they're still great companies that, and they take great care in shipping these things out. You know, when they ship them out to the consumer, because they recognize their consumers are collectors. So that's good. But here's the thing: Hasbro is doing a really decent job with the Marvel Legends stuff. They're doing a really decent job with the Transformers stuff. You know, as far as getting them out there, um, I, I know the the problem. I think is that you have scalpers who go in and they buy up everything the minute it's on the shelves. Yeah. And, and they, and then they, and then it's on eBay, you know? And yeah. So- I, I think you're right. And that's the curse of star Wars. It, you know, the, the, <laughs> I love Marvel and, and I love transformers, but, but, but there's a certain 
sort of. Well, no, uh, I'm saying they do that. Know. They do that with Marvel. They do that with the Transformer stuff. You oh, know? really? Yeah, okay. yeah. It's 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 anything that has that nostalgia aspect to it. Um, this this is being done to. You know, and kids aren't playing with Star Wars and Transformers and and the new GI Joe six inch stuff and the and the Marvel Legends. Kids are playing with Fortnite, and um and kids are playing with uh with Minecraft. Like you're right. They, so there should be a recognition that those figures are mostly for grown men like you and me, right? Like, well, there, I, there should be a distribution model that acknowledges that. Well, I think what Hasbro should do is say. We're going to quit trying to dumb down products to get kids to buy Star Wars figures, because that's there one of go. the that's one of the things they've done is they, they they try to do these different types of figures that I think they they think are going to appeal more to kids that I think kids look at and say, well, that's too childish for me, you know. I want the big kid toys, yeah. and so you know, and and so instead of putting out these galactic hero, you know, super deformed style figures, which may be cute. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, ultimately, um, I think by and large, when you've got most kids who are going down to the Fortnite section and buying Fortnite figures or Minecraft figures or some of these other like video games or apps, you know, action figures and stuff that they, they're into, and they pass right by the Star Wars stuff, which really, I, who blames them because it's the same stuff that was there last, you know, the last three times they've been, you know, literally, they, yeah. and, you know, they may stop off at the Marvel stuff because Marvel's huge. You know, um, but ultimately they're just not, they're not digging the Star Wars. And I'm not saying that, yeah. I'm not saying they cater to grown people, but I am saying that, you know what? Star Wars, there are kids who love Star Wars. There are kids who really like Star Wars and they don't want to play with cartoony versions of Star Wars unless it's the cartoon, unless it's the style of cartoon they've seen on yeah. uh, Clone Wars, on Rebels, maybe even on the Galactic Adventure shorts that they've seen or whatever the case may be. Yep. But they don't want dolls, you know. I'm I'm sorry. I'm not. That's not a sexist thing. I'm just saying the kids don't want the dolls. They want action figures, and they want to be able to have adventures with these action figures. But then, no, man, I have I have, I have a niece that, that that whole Forces of Destiny doll line. Mm-hmm. She would have been the perfect age, but she had no time for it. Yeah, she, she thought that 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 that's silly Star Wars, you know. Uh, so yeah, there, there's not. Uh, there's not a call for like dumbed down or, or super cartoony Star Wars, but then, they want it to look like the Fortnite stuff that they that they like. But then the I flip side of that is, the flip side of that is, and and this is where my ignorance comes in. I don't know how much a Fortnite action figure is. I don't I don't know what those are running for right now. And eh, probably probably ten, you know twenty bucks like a like a like a Black Series figure. I would imagine. Well, I, yeah, I maybe either. maybe you know. But I also know that uh, that a kid doesn't have um, doesn't have the disposable income that an adult does. No, not for twenty dollars. I, I no. And sure. so and so, if, if a kid walks in and he's got birthday money and he's got fifteen bucks, there I'm looking here and it seems they they run about fifteen to twenty dollars. You know, yep. they've got some four inch figures that'll run a little bit cheaper, but you know they've got four and six inch figures. Yeah. So if a kid comes 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 walking in and there is a chance to get the Fortnite early game survival kit figure pack the visitor for you know six seven bucks or Luke Skywalker with a Yavin medal for fifteen what's he gonna do yeah you know 
And, For sure. Well, Steve, listen, I'm going to let somebody else get on. I've, I've loved talking, collecting with you. And, and honestly, everything we've talked about tonight, if it's Siege of Mandalore, uh, if it, it's uh, uh, Mandalorian, uh, the Marvel stuff, I had a ball. Do geek out loud more. I know you have a life, but I know I speak for a lot of people like this has been an absolute blast. Whenever you have the time, do a geek out loud, please, sir. Well, I'm going to I'm going to try. I have so many ideas. Um for for geek out loud that i just haven't been able to execute so well the youtube is so fun so that that you know well, do that too please I, I will i will see what i can do thanks dylan all right why you love You're this.com yeah thanks man right on good to talk to you bud <laughs> Bye, dude. we'll see you all right before i bring anyone else in here um let me see i, I think i've waited too long um I missed my window. It's midnight where I'm at. Dylan Newhouse. Listen, I here's what I let. There was a. Oh, here we go, ladies and gentlemen. There we go. Hold on just a second because let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. I haven't talked to this guy in weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks, and it it shows because my heart hurts when I think about it. And uh, let's bring him in right now. Ladies and gentlemen, Thunder Cam Hopman. Hey, buddy. Hey, Daddy. How you doing? Oh, Steve, don't. That's. Mm. Well, I you're a daddy late. now. Oh, thank you. I know it's late. <laughs> and you're now a daddy. <laughs> Your oh, wife had a girl, you. yeah. As uh, cute yeah. as can be. What a precious, precious child. I was. I, Dylan mentioned he's got a five-month-old. I know. And I didn't know that. I didn't either. I, and I'm kind of mad that I haven't seen pictures. So I love babies, man. And babies love me because I'm so comfortable. Well, I mean, you know, uh, when the world stops ending... And we find ourselves back down in Georgia. Eventually, we will, likely will. So we can swing on by. You just, you and Haley meet you just uh, tell little me Rose. When. You just tell me when. I am okay, there. We'll do. I am there. I am so. <laughs> I am so over the pandemic. I am over it. Yeah, yeah, man. It's uh, it's it's been kind of a bummer. I'm still going into work. Ever, uh, you know, and uh, trying to keep my distance from people. Yeah. I got the kid at home and. Trying uh, to just be safe, trying to be smart. Cam, I got my hopes up so big the other day when I was perusing stuff for the big honking show and it said, weatherman can't do the weather from home because his dog keeps in it. I'm like, oh, does Cam have a dog? Please <laughs> please let this be Cam. And it wasn't you. No, the, the other guy in town here, um, it was a joke or an accident the first time round. His cat like jumped up on his green wall or whatever, and now he just does the eleven o'clock weather with his cat. Oh, that's fun. So it's yeah. So it was kind of fun at first, but now it's just it's the cat's there now. So. Cam, let me ask you something, and I and I need you to be honest with me. Okay. Why is it getting into the thirties at night in the middle of May? Because it's cold, Steve. 
That's Do you great. want the actual scientific? You know what? I, I'd like to leave it. I'd like to leave it at the obvious, to be honest with you at this point. You know what? I was looking for the scientific reasoning behind it, but you know what? You came back with something really great, and I don't want to ruin that. So we'll just leave it like it. We'll let it, we'll let it stay where it lies. How's it going, man? <laughs> oh, buddy. How, yeah, you, no, how are you doing? I'll tell you what I've... Say again? How are you doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. We're a little sleep deprived. Yes. yes. Uh, but uh, overall, good. I mean, she's uh, she's been we've been in about four to five hour blocks of sleep now. Mm-hmm. God love um, it. Which are pretty good. Yeah. Uh, so we're, we're doing okay so far with that, and she's she's healthy and she's eating and she's pooping and you know. How how she? Any... How's her demeanor? Is she is she pretty chill? Is she? Is she a crybaby? What, not, not really. She's pretty good for the most part. Yeah. She, uh, you know, she'll she'll eat and then she'll sleep mm. and then she'll wake up. We change her. She eats. She sleeps. That's kind of kind of the rotation she's on right now. As far as uh, what is she now? Starting, three three weeks? Four weeks? She's about three and a half weeks. Three she'll be four weeks. weeks. Oh shoot! Four weeks Thursday. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, four weeks on Thursday. That so. sounds right. Yeah, so she's she's coming up on a month here, and uh, she's good, man. She's doing well, and uh, God, my God, love my wife. She's amazing, uh, absolutely incredible. Uh, she is. Uh, I I liked her before all of this, but she's a heck of a lot better at this whole parenting thing than I think I am. Um, <laughs> well, she's 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 got everything kind of down pat, and I'm over here just kind of like half awake, going, "Yeah, yeah, how can I help?" What? what can I do? Tell me. Tell me what I do. Listen, you kick in when the child gets to where she has a personality and yeah. you can start doing the dad stuff where you're just exactly. aggravated to death. And then and then comes those glorious teenage years where just the very thought of you coming in the room embarrasses her to death. Oh, it's going to be glorious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she. Uh, we've already started on... She when she cries, she she flails the arms a little bit, mm-hmm. and if you hold her just right, she gives you a right hook right to the face. Ooh! So I've been doing the uh, she'll she, she's knocked me out a few times onto the bed. She does not like it when I fall though; it makes it worse. So it's still it's still good though. Well, it's still good though. There's two things I know for sure. <laughs> she was sent from heaven, and she's daddy's little girl. What was that about social distancing? Butterfly kisses. Come on now. I'm trying to make you cry. <laughs> oh, trust me. I've done my fair share. Oh, man. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a sap. I, the first night, uh, we watched A New Hope. Uh, first, in, first night in the hospital. Yeah. Uh, through the uh, original trilogy with mm-hmm. her so far. Jurassic Park. Yeah. Uh, I tried watching Inside Out with her. That was a mistake. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was like, ah, oh, Finding Nemo, great parenting movie. No, nope. nope. not going to try that. So I was like, oh, Inside Out's better. No. I can't take it. I'm going to start crying. Goodness gracious. <laughs> Bless your heart. So, oh, man. so now what was her favorite Star Wars movie? 
well, I gotta say she kind of liked Return of the Jedi. She stayed awake for most of Return of the Jedi. That's what I would expect. I mean, the we, Ewoks. We caught her. We caught her in that that non sleep yeah. kind of couple hours. <laughs> she was like, it's right a now, trap. Her, her, <laughs> her party time is like two to four o'clock in the morning. Yeah, she's yeah, up. Yeah, she's good. She's ready to go. She's not. She's not even crabby at that point. She's yeah. just up. She's and just ready like, and what's raring. up, guys? Who's yeah, up for a movie? She's like, man. movie time. Who's up for a movie? Yeah, <laughs> seriously, dude. So yeah, that's that's kind of been the the situation and all that. We're trying to. How about the uh, what's the swaddling situation like? You getting her all packed in there real good with some? Oh blankets man, I'm a swaddle pro. Yeah, here. Right, I'm I'm. <laughs> chief swaddler over at the hotman house is she a squirmy child oh man yeah she's a she's a worm nice she's she's yeah she she doesn't really she doesn't really cry all that much but when she does it's like the limbs are moving Mm -hmm. it's hard to uh, it's hard to corral flailing about flailing about yeah it's all good yeah it's all good but yeah it's it's, it's awesome. been good and uh, trying to watch Clone Wars and mm-hmm. trying to find a couple half an hours here and there and manage to watch it. Yeah. What do you think? Well, I don't know. I don't know if you were on earlier. I, um, to me, the, the final four episodes of the season are, are it. I mean, like uh, I could have done without the middle arc. Um, mm-hmm. I, I thought they could have done that in two episodes instead of four. But man, when honestly, when we talk about this final series of season of Clone Wars, we're going to talk about these last four episodes. We're going to talk about the movie that is uh, the, the final four episodes. Um, oh, yeah. I, I, out, I, outstanding. I, I don't think that it gets better um, animated Star Wars than that. And I don't like to speak in that kind of hyperbole. I, I don't know that I had the visceral, like, fist-pumping, shouting reaction everyone else did, but... But I, I know that I was deeply moved by it and everything that went on because of just the, as I talked about earlier, how it runs concurrently with episode three and knowing that when yeah. when when Obi-Wan and, and Anakin leave, that's the last time Ahsoka is going to talk to Anakin. And it's just, it, it's kind of heartbreaking. It's like that Obi-Wan-Anakin conversation in, in Sith. You know, they don't know what's coming. We know what's coming. They don't. Yeah. And and it's just kind of, there's, there's just pain there, but... That final climactic getting to the planet was just awesome. You know, her running through the wreckage as it's falling and, you know, basically skydiving onto the, to the Y-wing and uh, it was great. It was good stuff. I, I, uh, and I'm a bit of a, uh, Martez sisters apologist. Mm -hmm. I kind of dug the, the middle arc. I, yeah, I think it could have been a little bit shorter. I liked the story behind it. I liked the idea that, Hey, you know, the Jedi aren't these wonderful, perfect people that, you know, from our point of view that we've seen so much of. Um, I like the kind of the story and that, that how that played into the final arc of her uh, furthering that disenfranchisement mm-hmm. from the Jedi Order. I kind of dug that. I, like, I understand people's. Right. I, I like the ideas that you bring up there. I like the vintage Kenner versions of um, Greedo, yeah. Wallace, was... Man, Snaggletooth, <laughs> and uh, and Hammerhead. And I said on Rebel Force Radio, give me an A-team type show with those four characters. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, uh, I loved seeing the Pikes. I loved di- dipping into that criminal underworld, going to Kessel, all that good stuff. But, um, you know, 
I, I felt like they stretched it out too long. And, and I well, did they had not... the one episode that started in the prison and ended, and ended in, the, in prison. the prison. Yeah. Like it went nowhere. And it was, just, yeah, that, that I, mean, I think the only thing that they learned at that point was that Ahsoka could use the force. Right. That was literally the only development over that 30. And I think Bo-Katan saw Ahsoka. And I, yeah. So those, yeah. those two things happened in 30 and minutes. I didn't, and that was, and I didn't care for the Martez sisters at all. Like, there was just nothing about those characters that I found that I liked, you know, it, yeah. on, on one hand, they were just too tropey, you know, and, and it, they felt very modern and contemporary. They which did. I guess is fine. They uh, did. But they also, it's like the, there's a way to tell their story and their side of things without, I just felt like it leaned too heavily into whining and not enough bitterness toward what was going on. Like the bitterness didn't come across as yeah. Like at the end of it, they were, they were chill with her. Mm -hmm. Like you'd think like they'd be kind of at least have the older sisters be like, yeah, no, I'm still not good with you. Um, kind of thing. Uh, but yeah, no, I, the, the idea of that kind of, um, well, the Jedi aren't perfect. And, uh, you know, she gets into the, the final arc and kind of Obi-Wan talks about, well, he's he's been asked to report on the chancellor's activity. Mm-hmm. Oh, spying. He's spying on him. No, right. no, he's not spying. You know, kind of I, I thought that played nicely. But you're right, though. That last arc, Steve, was goodness gracious. Yeah. I mean, as good as Star Wars has been. And I love like and I really enjoy the sequel trilogy. I am a fan of the sequel trilogy. I'm a fan of all the Disney movies and uh, properties so far, man, as good as anything that's come out since 2015. Um, really enjoyable, just fun to watch. The, the fact that it's ongoing during Revenge of the Sith, like, and it's just those little tiny, oh, uh, Obi-Wan's off to Utapau. Oh, God, it's getting closer. It's coming, it's coming. It's it's getting, it's just that, that dread and that... Uh, that understanding of what is about to happen and none of these characters that you've fallen right. in love with throughout the years know what's coming. Right. Yeah. It, it was, uh, like I say, there, there, it was painful and it was, it was, it was also like the whole Rex moment of order 66. When, when you see revenge of the Sith and you see Cody turn so quickly and yep. you see all these other clones just absolutely turn on a dime and to see Rex struggle, you know, and yeah. and to know that is the influence of Anakin Skywalker, that yep. type of independence and that type of independent thought was, was there because of who he served under for so long. And, and uh, as well as Ahsoka, you know, and, and the camaraderie that had been built up as we saw even with, and then to watch the, the, the clones that had her face painted on their mask, running around trying to kill her was just, it was, yep. it was absolutely heartbreaking, but also just a, just a thing of beauty. As I said earlier, that she refused to kill them. So, yeah. I dug that. I dug that. I thought that that played into that character really well. Uh, Ahsoka is just from where she started to where she ended and where she continues to be. Cause obviously uh, from what it sounds like is we're getting more, um, mm-hmm. what a amazing character, what great character development. Uh, and that's, that's, I mean, that's Dave Filoni though. Mm-hmm. 
just developing that character from where she started as, and you know, Ashley talking about it on RFR a few weeks ago, not necessarily being liked by fans. Right, right. Not rightfully so, but, you know, you go back and you watch that. I have a buddy at work right now who's gone back and he's rewatching Clone Wars, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the proper, whatever the proper way is. And uh, <laughs> he's like, man, way. you know. I, yeah, Sky Guy, r 2 E. Man, that movie. It's, it's, I get where they were going. I understand the story, but like, it's, it's just not what Clone Wars is. Yeah. Um, and what it really, what it's become, obviously well, it's evolved into something much different. And that's what I was saying to Roth earlier and Roth and Wyoming when he called is, is the idea of, you know, this whole, this whole show really had to find its footing and, and it took it, it took it a little bit, you know? Um, yeah. and it, it really, I don't know that it really found its full on footing until about season three, you know, and even then, yeah. even then, once you get into season four, there's still some arcs and stuff that it's just like, what are they doing? <laughs> Meaver Gascon? Meaver Gascon. Yeah. I actually kind of dig the Meaver Gascon arc. <laughs> I didn't have a problem with that arc. And, you know. <laughs> I know a lot of people dislike it. I kind of love it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, man, it's just those last four episodes, those last six minutes just place. So I've gone back and rewatched them or rewatched the end of episode four, like probably three or four times. And it's Mm -hmm. just so good. It's just so good. Yeah. Yeah. It just plays out. No dialogue, no nothing. And you were, I, you were said something about seeing, Proper stormtroopers and snowtroopers, mm-hmm. and seeing that uh, that shuttle and everything mm-hmm. like that, and it was, man. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, give me... it was it was kind of frustrating in Rebels. Every time you have an Imperial shuttle, it's one of those weird shaped Imperial shuttles, and yeah, and you still didn't get them in Rogue One, and and I mean, the Imperial shuttle, that version of the shuttle was always one of my favorite ships growing up, mm-hmm. and and then when I saw that thing landing, I'm like, oh my gosh, we're in Star. You know, it's like this is Star Wars, and there's it no really it. felt different. I know the art, I know the animation style was technically the same as Clone Wars. No, but it felt different. It it didn't. It felt different. It looked different. It didn't have, it, and and I'm not smart enough to speak intelligently about it, about animation. But it did not have the marionette feel to it. Yeah, that that a lot of the earlier Clone, and and in fact, truthfully. I, it's something I kind of noticed even with the fullness of, of these episodes. Once you get to Mandalore and you're not dealing with beards and stuff, you know, mm-hmm. and, and an abundance of hair, it <laughs> it all really stopped feeling very marionette-ish. Um, and, and you really, it, it, it was, but, but that final few minutes, you're right. It felt like a little bit of a different animation style and a little bit different character style. Um, and I hope, I, you know, I really hope that uh, Texas Cow Patty says it felt bigger, more cinematic. And I, I think maybe, yeah. that, maybe that's it, you know. Uh, Vader doesn't, he wasn't really stylized, you know, like a lot of the, mm-hmm. a lot of the characters have been in, in the Clone Wars series. You know, he... You can, you can also see Anakin's eye through the eyepiece, too. Oh, can you? Now, see, uh, I haven't noticed yeah, that. In one shot, you can. It's, it's there. It's, it's not necessarily like obvious but you can definitely see his eye through it and it's 
man, it just plays in. I went back before the last episode uh, posted, whatever, that Thursday night. Mm-hmm. Um, I went back and I watched uh, World Between Worlds from Rebels and uh, what, the one, the, the Twilight of the Apprentice. Mm-hmm. From from Rebels as well, yeah. and that was just an oh, man. That moment paired with that, oh, it just it's great. It's great. It's great storytelling. It's enjoyable. I cannot wait to see what they come up with next. Mm. Yeah, it's uh, it, it is it is. Uh, I just hope they didn't throw away. I hope they didn't use. I hope they didn't build this model just to throw it away. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it, it's so good. I'm kind of looking. Oh, for, yeah, we it, it happened, Steve. It took us 40, uh, 40, what are we, 42 years. We finally have a planet with seasons. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. We have, we have Star Wars weather. Yeah. Steve. There you go. Well, that, I mean, that's right up your alley. I know. So, this is, this I, well, is I'm sure Indoor has the rainy season. That's true. You that's know? true. So it's a it's a it's a forest planet. They have to be getting some kind of some kind of stuff going on there. So, oh man. Well, look, yeah, I, no, it was unbelievable. I'm going to tell you. Uh, by the, I did. I just don't want to go without saying. Dylan has um, posted some pictures of his little girl, and she is precious. Oh. She is just precious. So, um, well, congrats to him. I, I didn't even know that they. Uh, Newhouse had. I didn't either. Had a I, that's, I, that's great. I feel, I feel terrible to not have realized that. So, um, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's good stuff. It, it's it's uh, everyone just having babies all over here. Baby, goal-averse babies. Goal-averse babies left and right. That's what I like, I like to hear. Babies. Um, could be, could be. Uh, you know, that's up to you guys. If y'all want to, if y'all want to turn them over to some woman in green striped socks, that's, you know, you're the parents. I'm not going to tell you how to parent yeah, that, your children. That sounds like child abuse, Steve. It does. It really, it's kind of weird, you know, it's kind of weird. So, <laughs> oh, buddy. Yeah. But Hey, I, you know what? I'm going to get out of your way. I imagine the wife is probably going to be waking up soon. It's probably time to eat. So, all right. Well, um, it's good to talk I, to you, my friend. You too, man. And uh, hopefully, you know, soon enough, uh, we can we can start getting some some uh, BHS weather back going. Yeah, on. but well, you uh, know what? I'll be yeah, honest with you. you. I've I've had to cannibalize my gear at the house to do stuff at the church, and so there it's it's a it's a crapshoot whether or not I'll have everything here I need to be able to bring someone in on Skype. Um, hey, so you know, so it hasn't it hasn't been too big of a problem. Um, just know that. That you've been missed. Okay. Well, so. I miss you, Steve. Oh, I, I appreciate that. That's why I say it's good to talk to you, man. <laughs> you too, buddy. Hey, All we'll right. talk to you soon. We'll see you, man. Thanks so much, Dylan. All right. Later. Bye. All right. That's Dylan Newhouse. And uh, and I think that's going to have to wrap us up um, with, uh, did I say that? That's not Dylan Newhouse. That's Cam Hopman. I'm doing all kinds of things. So, hey, listen, Roth and Wyoming, Dylan Newhouse, Cam Hopman, thanks so much for calling. Thanks to everyone who's tuned in. Uh, tonight to uh, to listen to me just ramble on about all kinds of things that are geeky. Um, I want to address something really quickly. That dude was Cam. Dylan was Dylan. Roth was Roth. Um, that's when Cameron was Cameron. And Dylan was Dylan. Um, 
<clears throat> I want to address something that came up earlier in the uh, in the chat when I was playing one of the greatest uh, cinematic moments of all time, and that being um, when uh, when when Cap Avengers assembles that sort of thing. Uh, someone had mentioned, and I don't know who it was. Alan Sylvester should go back and score the entire MCU. Uh, a, a long time ago, <laughs> I started trying to go through the MCU soundtracks, and I was really impressed with the Iron Man soundtrack by Ramin Djawadi, 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 Ramin Djawadi, and um, I, I truly, truly uh, thought it was better than I remembered it being as I just listened to it again and again and again to be able to talk about it on the, on the show. And I want to kind of do that with all of the soundtracks. And so I've been, when I have to do like, if I'm studying for a sermon, if I'm doing something, I'll have a lot of times, um, the, the incredible Hulk soundtrack in my ear by Craig Armstrong. And it, and, and it was released as a more complete soundtrack than even what Iron Man was. And, um, and it's really good. Uh, and, and I, it, it's, it's worth taking some time to talk about the Hulk theme is a good theme for the incredible Hulk. Um, it is, it, it has, it has the, the right callback to the show at the right time, but it doesn't overdo it. It's just one time. And, um, and it even has a little bit of a feel of some of what Elfman did for Ang Lee's Hulk, but then it does its own thing throughout the rest of the show. And it's got one of the most beautiful love themes of a modern film, especially like this, um, that, uh, that, that there is. So I, look, I want to talk about that. I want to talk about, um, uh, all kinds of stuff. I I've been reading some comics, you know, that are pretty good, the toy thing's always good. I want to get. I want to talk more Clone Wars and and uh, and and uh, someone took a shot at Transformers: Age of Extinction. Uh, this is not a safe place to hate on any of those Transformers movies, no matter how ridiculous or over the top they get. There's there's something redeeming about all of them, even if it's just two or three lines by Optimus Prime or Optimus Prime on top of a Dinobot. That is that is my that is my stance. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it on geek out loud. Um, a lot of things to talk about, some interesting things coming up. Uh, I know there's been so much that's been put on hold because of pandemic 2020. And, uh, and so we're all kind of waiting with bated breath. And, um, there've been some things that have leaked about some Marvel stuff coming up that I truly don't know if it's true or not, because some of the sources that people are citing are sources that were saying things with a lot of, uh, definitiveness, um, back before Endgame and and none of it came turned out to be true. So I just think that uh, there's a lot of speculation out there being put out as fact, but we'll see. You know, I'm not mad about any of it. I love the speculating as long as it's 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 what it says it is. So we'll see what all goes down and what all happens. Um I hope to do a geek out loud again sooner rather than later. Uh, but I did tell Kristen, we did a Rock Out Loud the other week, and I said, I've got to do Geek Out Loud before I post this. So glad to be able to do this with you guys. The email is geekoutonline at gmail.com. That's geekoutonline at gmail.com. Don't forget the Amazon links at geekoutonline.com and geekoutpodcast.com, uh, as well as bighonkinshow.com, and also uh, the Patreon, patreon.com slash geekoutloud.com. 
and uh and and we're trying to make sure there's content there for you the geek out loud youtube channel if you haven't subscribed we'd appreciate it if you did and we'll try to have content there for you as well and i'm still trying to have an actual real life in the midst of all of this so with work and family and everything else so i hope you'll bear with me but i do appreciate every single one of you thanks uh, to those of you who joined us live at mixer.com slash and for those of you who are downloading the podcast thank you so much for continuing to be the greatest podcast listening audience in the universe. Until next time, I'm Steve Glosson, and this has been Geek Out Loud. We'll see you next time, everybody.